The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Speedball Mike Bailey. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yes. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Robin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa. On today's show, we'll preview G1 Climax 33 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Wrestling Tea store, WrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. Frequently updated and with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Josh, Chris, it's G1 season, baby. It is G1, the grade one climax is upon us, and bless you both for doing a show late in the week last week, so I don't have to talk about, uh, great shows is strong, but we can dive right into the good stuff, and I didn't have to think about having takes, so <laughs> I appreciate you. Well, the conversation was something like this, it was like, um, so are we going to do all of that on the same episode that we cover the G1, and Jeremy's like, yeah, and I was like, you do realize this is the largest field that there's ever been. And we have Chris on and we usually go really long and he's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry ish. (laughs) No, it's not your fault. It's mostly us, but it was like, yeah, we got to blame. We're going to have to do it, do an episode and basically get that out of the way. So, yeah. So yeah, our independence day review was late last week in case you guys missed it, record a little bit late. So, yeah, this whole show is going to be devoted to G1 Climax 33. We'll go through each block, each competitor, give our our hot takes, give our, you know, anticipated matchups, some predictions, and, yeah, just, you know, chat some G1. Listen, I know we got to get into things, and and I don't want to, you know, have too much ramble or whatever, but I I have to get something off my chest. When I was setting up for the show today, I'm, I'm very, like, anal about everything that being in its proper place 
And for some reason, I don't know why, the zip tie that I had around the cord that I used to organize my camera is just gone. And I can't live like this. It's really freaking bothering me right now. Oh, man. Well, here's the problem, Josh. It's a zip tie. What are you doing? Yeah, but it, it's one of the black one. It's a twist tie, not a zip tie. One of the black twist ties to keep Actually worse. Yeah, that's what I use. Get it together. <laughs> Wait, what? so what is the function of this twist tie? It just keeps the cables together? Yeah. Okay. I can't live in disarray. Like I can't. Oh, I see the background in that room. <laughs> You're not definitely not living in disarray. <laughs> I don't know what's behind it though. I mean, I guess we could expose my living condition. So we. <laughs> is that a hostel? <laughs> so this is my office, and from behind the camera is like I've got all of my stuff, mm -hmm, which sure. is very nice. You can't see bookshelf with many leather-bound books. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rich mahogany. Rich mahogany, yeah. <laughs> but we have a medically compromised dog that oh. is epileptic. So when we leave, this has this room has to be pretty sparse in case he has like an episode. So there's really just cushion and um like a bed and a rug here. That way if little guy starts flip-flopping around, he doesn't get hurt. That's so fair. there's nothing in here except for my workspace and some of his stuff that's basically this is his room essentially right he understands the command go to your room i don't know too many dogs that have their own room but he does that rules good for him <laughs> and good for you giving that dog a, a good healthy and and safe life to live uh, it's it's my girlfriend mostly i i i'm just here <laughs> So humble. He's trying to put you over, man. Yeah. I mean, it, here I'll, I am with my shoulders on the mat. And I'll, you're like, I'll take, nah, I'll take it. I but the go thing do is, is I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I like to earn my victories. You know, it's got to be a shoot. I don't I have no working around here. <laughs> oh, okay. man. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, off, off the rails. Here yeah. we go. Well, let's bring it back. Let's talk about uh, G1 here. So. G133 is going to be running from July 15th to August 13th. Uh, block matches this year have a total of 20-minute time limits. So this year we have 32 participants. This is the largest field in G1 Climax history and the most amount of competitors since 2022, last year's tournament. This will also run in a four-block round-robin format for the second time since the year 2000, so... Last year, we also had the, the four-man, uh, four-block tournament. And when block action is over, the top two wrestlers from each block will advance to an elimination phase of a quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. So we will have A1 versus C2, B1 versus D2, C1 versus B2, and then D1 versus A2. Uh, so that's the, the new format changes. I know we've kind of talked about it before, but just kind of thoughts real quick on the new Changes to the format once again. Four blocks, introducing a quarter finals. Last year we had a semifinals uh, with the four blocks, but now we have a quarterfinals this year. So, how are you guys feeling? Tournament coming up this Saturday, starting off. How do you feel about this uh, format for this year? I I like it. Um, I like the four block layout. Eight wrestlers per block is what I recommended. Well, not recommended, but that is what I had hoped for last year. Um, and yeah, I, I like how the schedule played out too. Um, I, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but there's kind of like two blocks that are like married. 
Um, and then you get just block matches uh, on most of these cards up until the final four uh, block nights. So, And that's exciting, right? Because I think back to some of these great G1s that really got the fandom you know, hyped and, and excited. And it was 2012 and 2013 when like it was 10 block matches per night, which is, I mean, it was wild, but it was really engaging and you could sit down and every now and then you got just a show, you know, that, that just killed it from top to bottom. And I think there might be a, a show or two like that this year too. So, um, but yeah, having an even number of people, no buys, you know, last year we i had to do a lot of complex explaining of like breaks in people's schedules and there were guys that didn't wrestle for nine days at a time and um we won't see that this year i think we'll have a better pace to the tournament so i'm excited i like you know i don't mind the quarterfinal thing either i like a knockout stage and i think there will be it'll be a good jumping in point too for people that maybe get lost along the way but didn't want to totally ignore the g1 so you know when i'm thinking about driving the fandom like you know uh, moving into those either those final block nights or then even just the the knockout stage like those are good jumping in points too so i hope that there's some big hype around the finals well uh, i mean i can't imagine there's too many people out there that have done much more analysis on the g1 than chris so i'm gonna pretty much defer to him whatever i know that's not um always my mo i can be a little uh uh you know argumentative but in this case, I mean, who who's going to know better than Chris as far as like the layout of the tournament? And that's why he's here. A um, couple things that I've noticed that I do like, and it kind of goes into what he mentioned. Um, one of the benefits of last year's four block tournament was you sort of had more self-contained stories within each block. Um, but one of the drawbacks was we got less because of the scheduling and things like that. We got less great matches and we got less great overall cards which is what you know the g1's been known for for so many years so this year it looks like we have stronger cards top to bottom which probably opens the door for more of those great you know classic g1 evenings but we're not sacrificing the storytelling device that was devised last year and in fact they seem to be improving on it having certain themes in each block and uh, you know, last year's was pretty good, but this looks to be even more impressive. And there's just a lot more to kind of sink your teeth into. So overall, I, I'm very optimistic about this tournament. Of course, there might still be some growing pains, but uh, it seems to be that they probably paid attention to last year's flaws and seem to work to improve them. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm down with the format. Uh, I like the four blocks, and I do like that they added... Uh, former guys to get to 32 i like having you know full block nights and having two blocks on the same night so we know all right this is the a and b block night c and d block night and you're not having this weird thing like you're mentioning chris like one guy doesn't you know tom Lawler didn't have his first match in the tournament until like what like nine days in the tournament last year so you had like weird stuff like that so i think yeah with having it uh even and you know this on and off night thing i think it's gonna work out really well um so yeah i'm really looking forward to that and you know when we we're going into Super Juniors and they brought back the semifinals, I wasn't a huge fan going into it. But then when it played out, it added a lot more excitement to the tournament. So I'm all in for the quarterfinals and semifinals. Uh, I think it's going to add 
just like it did for Super Juniors, add more buzz, more excitement, and just some unpredictability uh, going into the final stretch. Well, one thing I like about that, you know, when it's a two-block tournament and you have a playoff and you inevitably, they didn't do it this year, but at some point if they stick with that format, you're eventually going to get a rematch of something that occurred in the block. And sometimes that can suck. But in a four-block G1 format like this, it, there's so many different variables and, and stuff that go into it. You might get a match later on in the playoffs that you want to see a rematch of. Like, hypothetically, just throwing it out there, every one of the biggest matches in the tournament, Okada versus Osprey. What if somehow they both got through and then they got a rematch later in the, um, in the playoffs through some series of events? That's something we probably all would want to see. You know what I mean? So there's a lot they can potentially do and play with. And I'm not even saying they're going to do that, but like with this large of field, there's so much uh, unknowability. It's really interesting. Yeah. And when it comes to those knockouts, right? Like anything's plausible, right? So, and Osprey and Okada in another, you know, that was the G1 final last year. Would they do it again after also then doing it in the block? It depends how fast we need to move on the Osprey story, right? So, um, and I think that there will be some, I don't want to say tells, but there might be some signs of where, wherever we're headed with, with Osprey, um, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, when it really comes down to it, what, what the whole point is that like anyone who gets into that final eight could make it into the semis. Anyone who gets into that final eight could make it into the final. You don't have to win, right? Like for it to be a big deal. And I think that this creates, you know, a little more space for more guys to have their moment. Um, whether that's in the quarters of the semis or, or, or into the finals. So, and I think that's good, especially right now when we're, we're really throwing a lot at the wall to see what sticks, right? We're throwing a bunch of guys out there, especially, you know, I know we'll probably start by talking about the A block, but like, look at that. If you look at that block and you look at the inexperience, like these guys are just getting out there and getting in front of people and something's going to hit. And it might be something surprising and it might be something that we, you know, those of us who've been paying attention kind of see coming. But, you know, once you get into those knockout stages, that's a big spot for anyone who's in them. Um, and no matter if you win or lose, like you got to show up for those and you got to you got to be a draw. So I'm very, very, very curious. The all the booking is, you know, historical booking stuff. Jay Michael over at Voices of Wrestling, like him and I, like we we bounce stuff around all the time. And he's a he's a he goes really deep into the booking of the blocks. And I mean, even he is like, there can be no predictions this year. Like yeah. it's so like, because two guys go through too. Yeah. So like, if you just want to give someone some shine, you just put them through and you have them, you, you bounce them in the quarterfinals. Like, but, and and we've seen them do that with all the single eliminations that they've added to the, to the round ramen tournaments. You know, we see, we see that that's a, that's been a, that's been a, a trademark of the of the booking. So curious to see who gets that type of rub this year because it's usually a sign of either, you know, mad respect, you know, Tamatonga, right, going through. Like that was a, a big thing to establish him, but also to thank him for his hard work for, for quite a while now. Um, you know, and then you can also do stories like Jeff Cobb, you know, winning nine in a row. Um, even though you're just going to bounce him in the, you know, in, in the, in the, the single elimination type round. So you can, you can do a lot more with less risk. And I think that that's, what's kind of interesting to keep an eye on. 
yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be too conspiratorial, right? But that A block is so intriguing because, like you mentioned, there's just so many fresh competitors that are going into the block. I know traditionally they typically have everything booked out in advance for who's going to go through. You got to wonder right now, right? Right, because even though, like, for instance, I know in the past the wrestlers, I, I've watched, I remember, like, Kenny Omega on BT, or, yeah, being the elite, he was mentioning how, like, the wrestlers don't know what's going to happen night to night. They, they get told when they show up at the building, but the bookers, they know ahead of like it's, time. It's already done. Yeah. Right. That's everyone's understanding of how these tournaments work is, like, they're booked, but the wrestlers don't know until they literally are about, pretty much about to go to the ring or the, the day they show up. But with all these guys that are coming into the A block and they're all so hungry and they're all looking to make a mark, who's to say that they don't pull an audible if somebody's getting over or making, you know, because again, like you mentioned, two people are going through. So you can easily have someone that that like impresses you and be like, you know what, we were gonna go with Kiyomiya, but Suji's going through because it, at the end of the day, neither of them were going to win the tournament. And right. we're going to give the shine to the guy that's really, you know, got doing something here and, and has captured the imagination of the public. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like, it just feels it like could. they could do something. Does it, like yeah. does it sort of feel like that happened with like Titan, right? Like mm. a little bit, a little bit. Right? Yeah. yeah. So but I, we, we would never know, right? right? We'll never know if that's how it happens. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's the, that's kind of the brilliance of this whole thing is that we would literally not know that we could hypothesize it forever, but no one's ever going to say it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I would hope that's how they're approaching a block like the a block though. You know, I have some thoughts that I think they probably have to know what they're trying to do with Kiyomiya mm-hmm. um, just cause you've got to wheel and deal with Noah and all that. But um, you know, if you're looking at Shota Umino, Yoda Suji, Ren Narita and Gabe Kidd, like, and you say, like, you're all going to be at eight points after four ma- or whatever, eight points after six matches. Right. And then we're going to book the winner. Like, that's not, that wouldn't be that impossible to do either. Yeah. Right. To, pl- to literally play the hot hand at the end of this, because again, they, I'm sure they know who's going to win. Right. Mm-hmm. So could they, could they play with a lot of the smaller pieces to establish some guys? I, I would hope so. What do you think of Jeremy? Yeah, well, let's uh, jump into the A blocks in order to kind of talk about those guys. So I'll just list off the guys real quick. So overall in the A block, we have Sonata. It's eighth entry, eighth consecutive. He is the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. We got the crown jewel, Chase Owens, third entry, third consecutive. And then the rest of the guys are debut entries. We have Hikaleo, the son of strong style, Ren Narita, shooter Shota Umino, Yota Suji, Gabriel Kidd, and Kaito Kiyomiya from Pro Wrestling Noah. So we got this youth kind of workhorse block here. A lot of interesting names, you know, a lot of the uh, the three musketeers are in here. Uh, Narita, Umino, and Tsuji. We saw the, the announcement last week. We talked about it on uh, the, the show last week. So those guys have been going back and forth on Twitter talking about not wanting to be musketeers and wanting to kind of, you know, outshine each other. You also have uh, Gabe Kidd from the, you know, the LA Dojo, quote unquote, musketeers who wants to prove that he's, Better than, you know, Suji, Narita, um, and Umino. So, you have a lot of guys here that have a lot to prove, kayfabe-wise and um, legitimately, in, in their standing in New Japan. 
their first G wants a, a huge stage for a lot of these guys. And of course, Kiyomiya in there, um, people have been clamoring for him to have a rematch with Okada and his friend be more involved in New Japan. So we're getting some of that action. You got to think, too, this is going to be one of the biggest stages that he's going to be involved in, in his career. So he's going to be wanting to try and make a name for himself as well. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the block uh, for I mean, for people like us, right? For people like us who've been both paying attention as well as like really invested in the future of this company. Um, the A block, you know, I I I, I had I wouldn't even call it argument, but we we I had some conversations with some people that have pretty loud voices in the wrestling world after the blocks were. Um, announced and and there were some people I was surprised that anyone didn't just like absolutely adore the fact that 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 this a block exists and I get now after some conversations that people really want to see these guys against the established stars right right you want to see some mix up with guys like Naito Okada even like Tai Chi Osprey um, Zack Sabre Jr. you name it right bunch of those established guys um, I want personally to see these guys battle for their own generational supremacy figure out who's got it and then go after the the generation above right Mm -hmm. that's that to me is the right play so whoever comes out of this block assuming it's not sonata or chase owens like those are the guys to keep an eye on in a sense of who's going to be the next guy to go after okada and naito tanahashi i guess still in that mix right so how do we you know how, who who's going to take that torch right and i think that there's a lot of candidates within this this block yeah i mean uh, some of the other things that people were saying and and you know kind of complaining about initially was we're not getting not only um okada not mixing it up with uh, a lot of these guys that he has like a quasi you know generational feud going on with but then you've got kiyomiya in this block and a lot of people expected Kiyomiya and Okada to inhabit the same block. So that was one of the, the big like hangups people had. And yeah, I, I get like what you just said, Chris, too, is like uh, a lot of them wanted to see them mix it up with current day stars, which I also I think my knee jerk reaction was initially was the same. But then I started to think about it more and more. And it's like, well, what would that have looked like? You took right. these guys and put them in those other blocks and event probably instead of it being like, we're going with the youth movement and we're going to put these guys through to the finish or give them a lot of points. It would have been like past G ones where you have first time entrants who most of them would be like 500, maybe under 500. They'd be getting beaten by established veterans and yeah, maybe they like have a great showing and, and, you know, get a big win over a veteran somewhere here or there. It's not really a huge step forward to establish them as the next generation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a key here that Chris mentioned is, you know, wanting to see rivalries form within this generation and see stories told with these guys. Of course, we're, we're, I think we're eventually going to get to some of these guys um, against some of the bigger guys, but I think it's very important for them to establish their own stories and their own rivalries within their generation. Because um, I think that's what's going to eventually kind of carry us into the future. Yeah, sure, seeing, you know, Suji versus Okada would be great, but we're, we're going to get there. 
But I think for right now, it's very important to establish, you know, the, 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 this generational rivalry, the, the peers and kind of these guys fighting. And these are the stories that are going to carry us into next decade, the rivalries that start from this block. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you think about like the, you know, the, the uh, attitude era. Right. And what were one of the things that people love to, you know, brag about that was so incredible about that era was like you had all of these young studs coming up at the same time that were all trying to outdo each other each night to prove who really was the man in that company. Right. Well, that's kind of what they're doing in this block. And I mean, probably like actually literally there's never been a G1 block that had this many first time young entrants go at it. And the closest thing you could probably point to is like, the first G1, <laughs> which like, you know, that well, was even that by age wasn't even close. No, because you had established veterans like Fujinami and Ricky Choshu doing the job and Vader and that sort of thing. So even that's not totally comparable, but um, this is going to give these guys an opportunity to work with one another at a high work rate, very, very stiff, very, very strong and really establish their, their feuds and, and everything like that. And then we can kind of see who's going what what cream's gonna rise to the top out of this. Like this is really like literally coal being forged into diamond under pressure. Like that's what this is right here. And um, it, it's really awesome because coming out of this tournament, who knows how elevated any one of these guys hypothetically might wind up being? You know, like right now people see, you know, uh, say Ren Narita at one level, but if he has like a blow away tournament and he does really well, maybe, maybe people start clamoring for him and then we, and then we can build off that. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. I think another thing too, that people are kind of overlooking, all these guys are in the block with the current world champion. So all these guys are going to get a crack at Sonata. Uh, Suji's going to get a rematch with Sonata in a, in a G1 situation. He could actually win that rematch and set up a, you know, a third match and get another tile shot later in the fall. Um, so these guys are going to be, you know, in a big spot here against Sonata. I know a lot of people are not maybe the biggest fan of Sonata as champion or would rather somebody else, but he's the world champion right now. And these guys are going to get the opportunity to be in there with the world champion, show what they're made of. And if they outperform Sonata in these in these matchups in this G1, I think that's going to be a very big deal and that can help them going forward. Well, I mean, I've I've always had that old adage and it's something I've said about, you know, it's kind of funny because in hindsight, we never imagined that Sonata would be in this position at this current time. We never even thought he'd be world champion, much less, <laughs> you know, world champion in a G1 block. But for years now on this show, we've been saying this is a very talented wrestler who can rise to the level of competition that are above him, but doesn't seem to have the ability to elevate those beneath him to his level. Well, now he's the champion and he's in there with six guys that, uh, you know, are all youngsters and, and looking to establish themselves. And this is going to be the true test of his title run, essentially, like, because, yeah, it might continue on for this. And who knows? Maybe it goes to the dome. I, I'm not sure. But like if he shits the bed with, you know, Hikaleo, Renderita, Shota Umino, Yoda Suji, Gabe Kid, Kiyomiya, that's going to be a detriment to him, and that's going to prove a lot of the naysayers right. So this is going to be, this is the true measure of him as champion, essentially. Yeah. 
Uh, we have a question for Def Triangle 720. In terms of A Block, who could be the breakout star of the pack, and who will beat Sonata to be his next challenger? I have a strange feeling a couple of guys are going to beat Sonata to become his next challenger. Um, and I, I couldn't exactly tell you who, um, but I, I don't foresee this being a, a, a situation where Sonata like buzzes through all these guys. I do think, I think he's going to take a couple of losses. And I think that for a couple of reasons, I think we need to establish some of these younger guys and Sonata. I don't think he's going to end up being one of these most protected champion types, right? Yeah. So we kind of saw it with Hiromu in Best of the Super Juniors where he he ate some losses. And there's some things that hopefully will come up as this um, as this year goes along with Hiromu. But um, I, I kind of put Sonata in that same space where they're, they're going to build up some competitors for him for the fall. And I think he might have a couple of defenses between the G1 and uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And... I'm not so convinced that Sonata carries the belt down the aisle at the Tokyo Dome. So, you know, I think it's really important to keep an eye out. I mean, I think Kiyomiya is an obvious choice to, to you know, put over a young guy in the industry, if nothing else. You know, I think New Japan's super focused on the growth and health of the, new, of the professional wrestling industry as a whole in Japan. Um, and I do think that's, like, legit. I don't think that's just them talking. All right, it does. It feels like it's legitimate. Um, so I think that's a chance for them to do something. And honestly, it might just it might turn into being the hot hand, right? So, um, yeah. But I I would keep an eye on that Kiyomiya match, and I would keep an eye on the Suji rematch. Those are those are the two that I've got my eyes on. But I could definitely be surprised by someone like even Hikaleo or mm-hmm. Narita popping up if he gets hot, right? Or obviously Shoto Mino, they've got a lot of hope for him in the future. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be so... I, I don't think that it's going to be some major indictment on uh, on Sonata for him to take losses because we've seen lots of champions in the G1 lose numerous times. You know, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, Okada, Tanahashi. So that's that's fine. Um, it's going to matter more as far as the actual level of the performances that he's putting in and the reactions he's getting from the crowds and the, the, the numbers they draw. Um, as far as who could be the breakout guy, I mean, the only person I would count out is Chase Owens, who's essentially there as like the veteran hand to, to work with these younger guys. But literally every single other competitor um, – has that ability to be the breakout guy from the from the block. I mean, if I was just going with what I've seen, and I'm I mean, I'm just making an educated guess, I would say Suji, but th- there's no guarantee that um, you know, Shota Umino doesn't just run away with this thing. You just don't know what's going to happen here. And it, there's a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, unknowability, which is the exciting thing about all of this because Gabe Kidd might just like tear up the pack. We don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, Hikaleo might become a dominating monster. Like, there's a lot of intrigue here. Um, as far as who I think is gonna beat Sonata, I think that uh man, I, I don't know. I, I like I like the uh, Chris's picks. I like um Yodasuji and Kiyomiya as being possible candidates to to beat him. Um I'm wondering if his next title defense even comes out of this block because I sort of think Sonata is still going through the 
through regardless and will suffer a loss in the semifinals or, you know, or quarterfinals or whatever that the playoff, he's going to lose in the playoff and potentially set up his title challenger that way. I don't know if any of these guys are ready to do, say, keep King of Pro Wrestling with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same kind of wavelength for you guys. Uh, I think that any of these guys, yeah, have the ability to be a breakout star. Kind of like you, Josh, I'm leaning more toward Kyoto Tsuji as if I had to pick one just based off of his performance at Dominion and just what a star performance he had there. And he has a lot of charisma, a lot of cool moves. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy that could really break out and kind of really make a name for himself here. But all these guys are great. We've seen them all have you know great matches and great moments. And so I think any of them could end up being the breakouts. And then, yeah, similar for the challengers. Uh, I think, you know, Suji's in there again. I think that's definitely a sign that I think he's going to win the rematch. I think he's going to learn from his mistakes from the Dominion match, be a little bit more confident, and uh, beat Sonata there to set up a, a rematch in the fall. Uh, I think it does make a lot of sense to have Kiyomiya uh, win. That could be a cool tile defense, um, King of Pro Wrestling, or Power Struggle in, in the fall as well. Um, so those would probably make the most sense. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Umino was able to get a win over him. You know, they're definitely kind of pushing him as kind of the, the ace of this generation. So you, you could set up his kind of first world title defense with a, a win over Sonata here as well. So uh, most anticipated think, match you guys looking forward to? Mm. I think I, I think now's a good time to talk about 20-minute time limit too. Oh, yeah. Because that's a, that's a new piece to the puzzle, right? So if we're... For looking at how to get out of some of these matches, right? We mm. might see more draws. Um, almost 10% of G1 matches, uh, G1 block matches historically have gone over 20 minutes. So 9.3 some odd percent. So I, I think it's worth noting that that's a possibility. So if we're looking at, say, Kiyomiya versus Sonata, and maybe you don't want to give Kiyomiya the win over Sonata and you want to give someone else those title shots, right? But you could go to a 20-minute draw. And then, you, you know what I'm saying? So, like, then the people who actually beat Sonata have more of a claim at that those title shots, and you can kind of get out of the Kiyomiya thing, but also not have him lose. Yeah. Um, so those are those are the types of things that I think are it's important to be aware of, at least. Well, like you mentioned, I mean, they've only had, what, 9.3% of all tournament matches have ever gone over 20 minutes, right? All block matches. Block matches, right. Right. Most most of the finals have gone over 30. Right. And so with that, like, a lot of people probably imagined, like, oh, man, 20 minutes, that's going to really change things. And, and I, I think it's more of a perception more so than a fact because totally. I think what this is going to result in is overall shorter match lengths because people will be working them so that they're, they're a little bit faster paced, more frantic. And then um, I think we'll see an overall shortening of match time, just generally speaking across the board because of the quote unquote 20 minutes, even though historically it do, it's not going to actually affect too many uh, match lengths. And then like, sure. you, like I, I, you mentioned, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I of course have the uh, historical averages by year. Um, and I mean, 2021 average match length got up to 17 minutes and 17 seconds, which is outrageous. <laughs> um, last year was back down to 15. Um, 
20, yeah, 2019, 2020, 2022, it's all in the 15 range. 2020 almost got up to 16. Uh, but back, go way back to 2012, 2013, when things were really heating up. 1146, 1124, 1039 in 2004, which was the previous largest G1 field, or sorry, 2014, and then into the 12s, and then it starts to rise. So you've got, you know, mid 12s, and then 14s, 15s, and then all the way up to kind of the nadir at in 2021 when everyone was like what are we doing here and everything's going long and everything's almost a time limit at 30 right yeah. so i wouldn't i would place my bet on an average match length closer to 11 to 12 minutes and i don't wow. i i think they're going to use it as a as a story point but i don't think they're going to lean on it if that makes right. sense yeah, that you know what, and I thought I was being a little bit outrageous because I was going to say I, my my prediction was going to be like a twelve to thirteen minute time frame, and I thought I was being a little bit like, oh, that's a, but yeah, you're calling eleven minutes. <laughs> well, I think to get to that to get to that twelve thirteen minute, you need a match to go almost twenty almost every night, and I just don't think they can do that okay. every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just that's just how the averages work. Right. Because otherwise you're gonna have a bunch of tens, you're gonna have some fifteens, right? And unless sure. you're playing with the time limit on every main event or like every semi main, I don't know, you know? Well, I hadn't looked at the math. I just thought I would I don't know. I just was picking a number arbitrarily and I was like, man, that sounds short compared <laughs> to like the last few years. But yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean it's super junior super junior timing really because that, that's about what right. those matches typically land at the, yeah. the other thing though too is i do think we'll start seeing more um time limit draws count outs and things like that just because there's more matches there's more blocks and they're gonna need some of those tiebreakers so uh I, i'm expecting to see that utilized a little bit more here yeah and we've seen historically yeah. great short matches there's been a ton of g1 matches that mm -hmm. fall in that 10 to 15 minute range are just absolute bangers guys that just go out there and they're just swinging from the bell so i'm not worried about you know there being short matches i think that's gonna like we said help kind of increase the intensity and the pace of the matches and end up with a lot more bangers i agree so from the a block what what matchup are you guys looking out for hmm that you know what this is the this might not be the biggest match of the entire thing, but if there's just one that appeals to my sensibilities as a fan the most, it's going to be Gabe Kidd versus Ren Narita. Mm. Oh, interesting. That's going, that, that match is going to fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm, tell, I'm calling it right now. We're, look, we're already going to be talking about a strong style fight of the year contender in that one. Hmm. It's going to give everything in C-Run a, a run for its money. That's going to be a very violent match. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be Yeah, I'm looking at, like, Sonata versus Kiyomiya just because I'm so intrigued by that booking. And it's mm -hmm. in Corkin, and it's a main event. Yep. That's on night seven. That, you know, that's... You got to... there. So here's the thing. There's the main events of this whole tournament. They're kind of weird, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't have a lot... <laughs> Like, there's a lot of matches that you're like, that should be the main event. It's like the semi-main, or it's like first on the card, for that matter. You know, there's not a lot of, like, classic G1 main events. And part of that's the card construction. Part of that's the two blocks on a night. You know, there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But when it really comes down to it, like, Sonata versus Kiyomiya in Cork and Hall, that's, that's one to watch. Well, um, there, that's definitely there's also one to watch, a lot of them. So. 
there's a lot of cards at the end that we don't know the match layouts or like the structure of the cards. Yeah, the last, the last four. Um, yeah. Every every block has a, a card at the end of the at the end of the tournament that isn't isn't laid out yet. So, you know, uh, for the A block, that card is Sonata versus Chase Owens, Ren Narita versus Kaito Kiyomiya, Shoto Amino versus Hikaleo, and Suji versus Gabe Kidd. What? Like none <laughs> of those are just like the obvious. Like this right. is the final match of the block. Like there, there's gonna be one of these matches in that on that night in Osaka, which is gonna be a great crowd. One of those matches is gonna be for second place, and it's gonna be the most meaningful match of the night. You like that's how Sonata that's gonna have to work. Owens? Yeah, that's weird. That might be the one. Is Chase Owens just going to go on a, a legendary run in this block and we don't know about it yet? <laughs> or maybe Chase. There are, everyone's talking about him. All the guys are, all the all the three musketeers are putting over Chase. Or maybe so, Chase knocks out Sonata, spoils Sonata, and Sonata doesn't get sure. through the quarterfinals. Well, we've seen him do that before. Yeah, I mean, Chase is sort of an unsung hero here because he is going to be the guy that, that works with a lot of these younger talents and so, he's sort of a bit of a litmus test, but He's he's beaten Tanahashi in the past in, in the G1, so he's had some big wins in the past, and then he he'll he'll be fine to eat pinfalls as well. So yeah, I see him as a as essentially just a spoiler. But uh, I mean, like I said, there's so much unknowability. Who knows? What if he does go on a run? What if he's like the senior statesman that just like uh, amounts a bunch of like sneaky wins, and he ends up uh, being? He's just got to finish second. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta get second. <laughs> that's not a, That's not impossible. Yeah, he has, he has a good shot. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, for every block, I'll go through the last night once we kind of talk through it. Like none of them. There's one or two matches that are like, yeah, that's gonna be important. The rest of them, no clue. Jeremy, I love what it. are you, What are you looking forward to the most in this block? Uh, I think for me, I'm looking forward to Ren Narita and Chota Umino. They've done a really great job of kind of building up their yeah. rivalry on the undercards of the last couple of tours. And these two guys are they're clearly, you know, really trying to fight to see who's going to be the top of this class of this generation. And I like the stuff I've been seeing just with them being on the same team and how they've been fighting each other when they're teaming together. So I think that match is going to be really heated. I mean, we've seen some great stuff from them when they were both young Lions facing off. So. Uh, I think they're going to uh, go out here and have a really great match. I think Suji's going to yeah, the, the first kid. night for A-Block's really good. Um, Owens Kid, Umino Narita, Suji Kiyomiya, that'll be cool, and then Sonata Hikaleo. So that's on Saturday. That's going to be a really fun fun run for the A-Block. Suji sort of has this like jesterish dick sort of like uh, bully persona. I feel like he's going to clown Kiyomiya in that match and just like <laughs> show up and be like, Oh, you're the ace. <laughs> <laughs> this you guys ace. All right. <laughs> Hold the spear. He just smiles with his big fake teeth. Yeah. That'd be great. It's got quite the grin. I'll do this too throughout the show because it's, it'll be funny by the end of it. Uh, if, if you follow the bit. So the a block historically uh between them all as they enter the tournament they they have wrestled in a total of 76 g1 climax matches throughout the the whole block so 61 of those are sonatas 15 are chase owens remember that number as we keep as we carry through here because once we get to d block there's going to be a big old giggle <laughs> so um, 
one last thing. I, oh, go ahead, Jeremy. No, so before we move on from uh, A Block, who are you guys going for one and two going into you're the? Re- you're reading oh, my God. mind. That's what I wanted to uh, touch on. So I, I'm still thinking. Ultimately, my one and two. I think Sonata goes through, and I think Kiyomiya goes through. I think Kiyomiya goes through, and I think Suji goes through. Ooh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, I just, I think Sonata's going to eat just the right losses that he ends up in some sort of tie that he, but he ends up out of the, out of the running. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of with Josh here. I'm also going Sonata and Kiyomiya. I'm not sure who's going to end up being one and two, but I think they're going to be the two guys that end up going through. Nice. All right, let's uh, move on to the B block. So we have uh, Kazuchika Okada with his 12th entry, 12th consecutive. He won the G1 in 2012, 2014, 2021, and last year, and he is one-third of the never-open-weight six-man tag team champions. We have Yoshihashi with his seventh entry, fourth consecutive. He is one-half of the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Then we have Taichi with his fifth entry, fifth consecutive. He is the provisional KOPW 2023 title holder. Kenta with his fifth entry and fifth consecutive. Great Okan, third entry, third consecutive. The Commonwealth Kingpin Will Ospreay with his fourth entry, second consecutive. And he is the IWGP US Heavyweight Champion. We have the return from injury of Tangaloa, his second entry, First in two years, and then the eighth man in this block is the headbanger, El Fantasmo, with his second entry, second consecutive. Very, very interesting block. Um, you know, we, we've got a few favorites, I feel like. We've got uh, a couple guys that are um, like sleeper picks, and then some guys that are going to be very good performers, but you know, probably don't have much of a chance of winning this block, honestly. Yeah. There's a obviously a couple of guys that you think are probably gonna go one and two in Okada and Osprey. Um but then you've also got some intrigue here. So I think guys like El Fantasmo uh and Great Okan are mm-hmm. are definitely guys to keep your eyes on they could be guys that either get a big spot and play spoiler or they have a good run like david finley did ha- had in the tournament a couple of years ago even though that was kind of at the beginning of the tournament so those are the, the the top four i think everyone else there really hits the you know not that they're not threats right kenta taichi yoshihashi and tangaloa um but i don't see them being players towards the end of the block maybe taichi you know, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Yoshihashi's really, you know, locked into the tag world. Tangelo is just coming back from injury. We haven't seen him in over a year. And Kenta, you know, Kenta just lost a strong title and he's he's kind of the shenanigans guy now. So um so but that top four is intriguing. I kind of hope one of the lesser um I hope someone like Great Okan goes through, maybe instead of Osprey or um just because I think that would be interesting. Or El Fantasmo's got Osprey on the final night. That's a that could be a big night um, for him too. You got to figure they're gonna figure out 
his lane going forward during this tournament. So that's something to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, does it seem too obvious that Okada and Osprey are the guys going through here? Cause yeah. Because I, I look at this block, I've been looking at it, I've been trying to, you know, play out, like, the, the quarterfinal scenarios, semifinal, final scenarios with these guys and who's going to go through. And, like, I keep coming back to it just makes the most sense for Okada and Osprey to go through. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's super obvious, which makes me think, oh, maybe one of these guys is not going through. And obviously, to, to get the Okada Kiyomiya match, we need Okada to go through. So like you're saying, Chris, maybe Osprey's that guy where we think he's going to go through as well. But yeah, that maybe that ELP upset knocks him out or something like that. Because you know he is the U.S. champion, mm-hmm. and he's still kind right. of in this feud with Kenny Omega. Which the the third match, if if it happens at all, in that would be after the G1. Um, so maybe that's kind of the story he's stuck in. And so maybe we're all just kind of thinking for our New Japan lens. We're like, all right, Osprey's a top guy. He's, he needs to get into the core finals. But maybe, yeah, he gets knocked out. And then his focus is on Kenny Omega for all in where we get somebody else through. And maybe it's ELP or maybe ELP is just the, the spoiler. And we get somebody like Great Okan through. Or maybe even Tai Chi through would be a cool guy to get through. Yeah, and then maybe that's the conduit to get ELP into another a different title picture, right? Into the US title picture if it doesn't end up going over to Kenny. Um, just so ELP has something big to do as he establishes himself outside of Bullet Club. Uh, I think it really depends on how they want to play the uh, the playoff round, you know? Because if we're looking at it and they're thinking, you know, we might be able to treat it somewhat similar to like a new Japan cup, then yeah, there's room for a guy like a Tai Chi or a great Okan to go through and, you know, we can go from there. But if it's sort of more like this is the G one and regardless of the fact that we have a final eight, it still needs to be our top superstars. This is This is going to tell us what the pecking order is going forward. And there's not that many room for surprises then yeah, I would fully expect Okada and Osprey to go through. And I know that might seem too obvious, but sometimes the most obvious thing is the right thing, especially mm. if it's going to depend on them booking large crowds and, and doing big business and you know just getting people interested in talking about the G1 moving forward. Um, do we know what those cards are? Obviously, we don't know who's going to be involved, but do we know what the playoff nights look like? How many playoff matches are on the cards each night leading up to the finals? Yeah, so uh, August 10th is the all four quarterfinal matches. Uh, okay. And then the 12th in Ryogoku is the semifinals, and then the 13th is the final also in, in Ryogoku. So it's there's three knockout nights, really. So, yeah, if you're doing the first night and you have all four, they don't all need to be main event caliber. You only really need one or two to be in that top spot. And that does open up the door a little bit for it to be a little more like New Japan Cup oriented where you could get uh, like an El Phantasmo or somebody else that has never gone through to, you know, a final scenario with the G1 before. 
Yeah, one thing we, we probably should have looked at too with the A block is who has the most main events. So who has the most main mm-hmm. events in the A block? Who has the most main events in the B block? I'm pretty sure it's probably Okada for B block, right? O- Okada has the most main events in the tournament. So it, it is Okada. Um, Okada has the strongest booked um, tournament averaging 7.17 of uh, eight matches on each of the of the first six cards. So he has three main events, two semi-mains, and one match that is fifth on the card. Sonata ties Okada. So Sonata in the A block ties Okada with the same exact kind of booking structure. Three mains, two semi-mains, and one match that's fifth on the card. So those are your, your top two booked. Hmm. So either one of those two guys is very likely to be the Iron Man of the tournament in terms of match length, but I'm thinking Okada's going through regardless. That's just what everyone feels like. So, and we're not so sure about Sonata. So it seems like Okada's probably going to have the most ring time of anybody in this tournament, most likely. Yeah, and you know another thing that uh, people might might want to hear it, but I think there's a good chance that Okada can win the G1 again. Mm-hmm. Gato <laughs> Gato loves the tree peats, and you know he has 2021, 2022. He can pull the three-peat here and have him win this year as well to be a three-time back-to-back winner uh, and then consecutively being a five-time winner. I think that's very plausible, especially him coming off the loss from Brian Danielson. You really want to build him back up and heat him back up. You, you could have him you know, kind of steamroll, get into the quarters, and, and get all the way to the finals or and potentially just win the thing again. So I think Okada is, for me, one of my strong favorites of definitely being one of the guys going through. I disagree, and there's only one scenario where I see that playing out personally. Um, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. We're getting Brian Danielson and Okada in the Tokyo Dome again, which, you know. Do you? Yeah, I, I you don't? What leads you to believe that? My heart? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel like that. I feel like they did that match with that submission so that Okada could get the, the return. Oh, I- I think there will be another match. I just I think Kazuchika Okada's got plenty that he could do in Tokyo Dome. So I'm not so convinced that it's definitely uh, uh, Danielson in the Tokyo Dome. I think it could be Kiyomiya. I think it could be another one of these young ace ace you know upcomers. It could be Danielson. He could do a lot that isn't attached to the title this year. He's got a lot going on. So I. I think it's unlikely that Okada wins the tournament, um, but I also don't necessarily see a clear path for Danielson at the at the Tokyo Dome. So, but I hear you. I think there will be a rematch. Well, at I mean, point. he tapped him out with the broken freaking arm. That's that's his <laughs> path. That's all he's got. No, I listen. I understand, but the Kiyomiya path is pretty clear too. Right. Um, and and I think this is one of those years where we see Okada in a grudge match, not in a title match. Um, sure. But it also then wouldn't surprise me for Okada to win the G1 and be the only three, three Pete, three right. in a row G1 winner because, you know, he needs another feather in his cap. So um, no, nothing surprises me when it comes to Okada winning. I, I, I definitely think, could you do something else with him in the dome? Sure. Is there anything else as big as him and Brian Danielson again in the dome? And the fact that like they want to bring, you know, Danielson over. There's no other stage that makes as much sense as that one. I personally, I think they're doing that match. I feel very strongly that that's where it's happening. And 
that would basically mean if that is the case, he's not winning the G1 unless, unless because a lot of things have changed this year. They've done a lot of things where they're foregoing traditions and, and stuff like that. What if he won the G1 and then challenged for the title in October instead of January? We're not doing the briefcase thing and we're not going to have the winner of the G1 challenge you know, in January, but they, mm. they move it up and he beats Sonata for the title at King of Pro Wrestling, then that could open things up, you know, to a much greater extent, which, it, you know, that might be a little fantasy booking-ish, but I also think it's plausible. Yeah, well, we, we've seen Okada kind of, you know, talk about not wanting to do the briefcase thing. We saw him bring back the V4 title. Like, he's done a lot of stuff to try and, like, kind of move away from the whole traditional briefcase Wrestle Kingdom challenge. So I think that is plausible if he wins for him to be like, you know, why do I have to wait until January? Like I, I want to, yeah, let's challenge in September, October. Uh, and then, yeah, he could win the belt back. And then of course, then Brian could be like, well, I beat you at Forbidden Door. So you're holding my title. And then that could easily set up, you know, the big rematch, you know, dream match at the Tokyo Dome main event, Okada versus Brian Danielson. All, that's all plausible. I'm, I I won't debate that. I just, I I'm just not so sure that Danielson's the the dome opponent. That's all. No, it, it, you know, yeah. yeah. So and Okada winning the G1 three years in a row again. Of course, he needs he needs to be the only person to do anything. Anything he does, he's the only person <laughs> that does it. So may as well may as well be three G1s in a row too. If you were going to do that and you were like gung ho, we need to have this record set, then now's the time to do it because you're not going to have someone else go no, three in a yeah. row. It'll be a while. It would be at least three years. Yeah. <laughs> See, math. Yeah, I think yeah, if, if you want to do it for Okada, yeah, you're you're right there. You might as well just do it now instead of waiting later when he's older and having him win three more times in a row when he's older. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, I don't think this is the year that he needs to be in the title picture for the, uh, for the, for the dome though. You know, we do every other year. Okada's in the title picture. If not, you know, maybe it's not quite that obvious, but, um, he's got so many potential challengers, um, that I would like to see just have a big dome match with him. Danielson included, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I want to see that rematch, but I'm just not so convinced that that's the only path for him. So yeah, I, Okada's interesting. You're right. He will probably be the Iron Man. All of his matches are probably going to go long. Um, 20 minutes will change things a touch for him for sure. He's not going to break any of his old records of just putting in the minutes, but um, you know, Okada's the guy, right? I'll, I'll run these numbers as we get closer to the G1, but He's the guy, he's probably got the most 20 minute plus matches, him or Naito. Like those are the guys that that carry that that weight for for the last five, six, seven tournaments at least. So we'll see how they adjust. So here's some funny shit. I know it's uh these are precursors to the G1, but um <laughs> Antonio Noki between 1986 and 88, he won the IWGP League three times in a row. But before that, between 1978 and 1981, he won the MSG League four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course he did. <laughs> so that man won the, uh, yeah, he won the um, uh, the round robin tournament uh, 
what do you call this thing? I Grand Prix. The, he won the, the summer, Grand Prix, yeah. the Grand Prix tournament ten times in his career. <laughs> Okada's, so Okada's halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys looking forward to uh for your, your matchup here from the B block? Ooh, I'm, I got I'm gonna go first. Because mine is Great Ocon versus Will Ospreay. Oh, mm, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, they, every other inter unit, besides, I guess, maybe a little bit of Bullet Club overlap, um, they kept all the units separate mostly. Um, and this is the first, that's, so Osprey and Great Ocon, it's on the 25th of July. It's in Cork and Hall. So it's night seven, and it's the first match on the card. Wow. So, like, that's, interesting right and you know there's a ton of speculation about what will osprey is going to do with you know the rest of his wrestling career and where he's going to spend his time and all that and united empire is a strong it's a it's a very important unit to new japan now um i think and i think that that's clear and i don't think that that's just because of osprey so there's a part of me that's watching that match wondering if it's the passing, the potential passing of the torch. I don't think my bad is Will doesn't know what he's doing. It, once his contract's up with New Japan, he's been very honest about when his contract comes up. He's been very honest that he wants to continue to wrestle with New Japan, and and I don't think that's just you know lip service. I think that's legit. But you know things change, money talks, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think there's if we're watching Will Ospreay throughout this tournament, you know I think that's that's something to keep an eye on is, is he, are they going forward with him really quickly? Is that the one match that he's going to lose? If he's going to take the block, you know, things like that. But first on the card in a hot Corkin during the G one cheering crowd, I cannot wait to tap into that match at four 30 in the morning um, because that's going to be hype. There, there've been so many reports over the years that, management is very high on great Ocon and that they see him as a potential major star slash, you know, quasi ace level, you know, uh, performer in this company, but the booking has not really sure, you know, connected to those types of reports. And it's starting to feel like if that is the case, you're going to need to pull the trigger on him sooner rather than later and now with this influx of new young fresh talent it feels like if they don't do something now we run the risk of him getting passed up by the all these other guys coming into the the company so yeah i don't think it's implausible that he beats will osprey and i think it's very interesting and telling like you mentioned chris that this is one of the very few major you know interfactional matches in all of the g1 so uh, that's one definitely to keep your eyes on, and I, I'm I'm I am wondering if they don't put him through. I know that a lot of people have their eyes on El Fantasmo, but um, it just feels like you know they they need to make up their minds when it comes to uh, the Great Ocon. Uh, for me, the match that I think is that I'm most excited about, and yeah, you can call me basic for it, but whatever, Okada versus Osprey, like it's one of the biggest main events of the entire tournament it's a you know it was the finals last year it was match of the year last year and uh i can't wait to see him do it again yeah same for me um okada osprey i mean that match is absolutely incredible every time it happens um so you know we're gonna have you know full cheering crowds in, in the middle of g1 of course that's gonna be great 
Uh, just to throw another one out there, I think Osprey and Taichi will be yep. another oh, yeah. great hard hitting match to look out for. Um, I, I do agree with you, Chris, that the the, the Ocon Osprey match will be intriguing too. And you know, Ocon's a guy that we like. We were big fans of Ocon, but like Josh is saying, you know, it's you know you hear one thing and then they do another thing. We hear that, yeah, you know, we're all in on Ocon. He's a big star. We have we have plans for him, and then. Booking happens and nothing falls through. And, you know, we've seen Okan get big wins in tournaments in the past. You know, New Japan Cup, he had that upset win over Tetsuya Naito. Um, so they, they've done some upset wins for him previously. So even if he does beat Osprey, I'm not so sold that that's going to be the sign that, all right, we're actually going to push Okan. He's going to be the new de facto leader for United Empire. I think it might just be them. Throwing him a bone like they've done in the sure. past, and uh, which would be great for him to have that that win, but I'm I'm still kind of hesitant to jump in and be like, all right, they're finally gonna do something with this guy. Um, I hope they do because he, he's awesome, but he's gonna end up pretty uh, shortly in a situation where, like Josh was saying, like Suji, uh, Yumura, Na- uh, Narita, Umino, these guys are gonna come in, they're gonna pass him, and he's gonna be kind of left in the dust. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. He is the champion of the British. Uh, spoiler alert: He is. Damn! No, did he lose? He is no longer the champion. Oh of the no! He lost to Michael Oku. Yes. That's, oh. That seems weird. It doesn't. Well, no, it's weird because he did he beat Ricky Knight Jr. He never beat him for the title, right? They had a rematch. Oh, I don't know. I don't follow that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dang! He lost, huh? Yeah. Wild. I've been watching a lot of wrestling. I just did not did not catch my ref, bro. <laughs> so yeah, so well, that, that frees him up though. He's not the that yeah. Chance. That's true. He can do whatever he wants. He can go after that U.S. title after he beats Will. Um, last night of this block is Tai Chi versus Great Okan, El Fantasma versus Will Osprey, Okada versus Tangaloa, and Yoshihashi mm. versus Kenta. So another kind of huh kind of night right yeah because i mean El phantasmo and will i feel like that's the second place match and i feel like first place is just gonna be like locked up yeah because i mean okada versus tangaloa i mean i don't see tangaloa getting an upset over okada to like spoil he, him i don't <laughs> think tangaloa is spoiling him yeah, yeah. no if tamatanga maybe but i don't think tangaloa is there didn't yoshihashi and El phantasmo rule last year i'm pretty sure it did yeah yeah it sounds like something that would rule yeah, I thought they had a great match last year. I'm I'm also interested uh, in uh, Taichi Yoshihashi. That's probably going to be very good. Mm. I think all the El Fantasma matches are going to be interesting to me because I'm so intrigued by where his character's going. Yeah. And night three, he's got Okada in the main event. So I think that'll, that, that might show us something. I think that'll be really interesting. Mm. What if uh, ELP and Will is the first place match? And then Okada Tangaloa was was the second place match. Uh, it's plausible. Anything's possible with this layout. There, there's uh, so much. There's so much math at at play that it, we're and we're so far off from that point. I mean, there could be any number of uh, you know different scenarios. I I feel like. There's a couple of things, you know, again, I'm, I'm watching Will Ospreay's tournament pretty closely because it's got all sorts of other things. So I think that last match is really interesting. Like, I don't, 
I don't imagine they're booking Will a send-off G1, right? But I, it wouldn't surprise me if he got spoiled by El Phantasmo here somehow because then that sets up Phantasmo and Osprey for the U.S. title, maybe at the event that you keep calling King of Pro Wrestling, which is actually called this, uh, Destruction Ryogoku this year. Um, Whatever. <laughs> it's the October Ryogoku show. It's, it's still the, the same, same thing. It's all the same, but it's uh, it's part of the Destruction Tour this year. So... Um, I think that could be interesting. And then that would free up Osprey to do God knows what at the dome too. So I, there's so many just like paths to the Tokyo dome this year that it's just, it's really hard. There's no real clear, like this is what we need from the G one winner. It can, anything can happen, especially because the belt's still on Sonata. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing too, with will is like, if he were to win, that would be great, but they've only ever had one Gaijin winner right. in their, the entire tournament history. That was, you know, Will Ospreay, or I'm sorry, uh, Kenny Omega. And, um, you know, and he bailed. <laughs> yeah, he left. And Jay White was here and came close and never won this tournament. And we all kind of figured he would eventually, and he didn't. And so, yeah, it's like, can Will Ospreay, you know, achieve what only Kenny Omega has ever really achieved from an outsider? Um, oh, that's an interesting wrinkle to their story, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Going huh. to, but, going but all I, I, I'm not. I, with him being the U.S. champion, I just don't see it personally. Right. Like, that's that's the challenge. That's the challenge. I think I have U.S. champion in the G1 data here. Wait, let me click a button. It's probably not pretty good. It's not good because <laughs> it's, most well, of the time. it was Omega in 2017. He got 14 points, so obviously he had a great tournament that year. But that was really right after the t- the title was established. Then it was Juice Robinson in 18. He got six points. Moxley in 19 got 10. Moxley in 2020 didn't participate and I don't have 21 or 22. So it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's not, it's not great, right? They don't, the, the, the U S champ doesn't usually have a great run through the G one. Yeah. I think with Okada being, you know, the ace of the company and him having two consecutive wins and the fact that Kiyomiya is probably, you know, in his future, I see him going through regardless. And so it's sort of like the second slot, who's that going to? And it, it's really going to be like, is that Will? Or like you guys kind of uh, postulated, like, is it El Fantasmo or Great Ocon to kind of sneak through? Uh, personally, I, I would prefer that they, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd be interested in those other guys and I'd be fine with it, but I'm sort of thinking they just go with uh, Osprey and Okada personally. Yeah, those would be the two picks I'd I'd want to see, and and for right now, that, that's who I'm going with because it, it just seems too obvious. Where it, it's kind of like Galaxy Brain booking to try and like force one of those guys out, so I'm just gonna go with those two. Yeah, I I have a tough time writing one of those guys out. If I if I had to, it'd probably be for El Fantasma just because he's got Will on the last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not ruling that out, but I think if I had you know if I have to make a pick, it's Osprey. So Osprey and Okada going through. That's the most chalk block you can have. But but that that Phantasmo Osprey match on the final night is very intriguing. And the fact I don't think Phantasmo's ever beat Osprey in singles match in New Japan. Um or if he did, it was like in Super Juniors. Super J Cup. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Super J Cup they did on the West Coast, because um yeah, that's that definitely happened. But he's lost him quite a few times oh, yeah. so far. And especially since they've gone up to heavyweight, he hasn't beat him. So right, that that's definitely the truth. Yeah. 
Well, moving on to C block now. We have. Oh, wait, I got to do my bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go go for it. B block total coming into the G1, 272 matches. Mm. G1 matches historically. So we got 76 for the A, 272 for the B. Stay tuned for C and D. <laughs> so uh, C block, we have the Rebel David Finley, the current never openweight champion. This is second entry, second consecutive. We have the Stone Pit Bull Tomohiro Ishii, 11th entry, 11 consecutive. He is one third of the never openweight six man tag team champions. We have Evil with his eighth entry, eighth consecutive. Tama Tonga with his sixth entry, his third consecutive. The Dragon Shingo Takagi with his fifth entry, fifth consecutive. We have Aaron Hanare with his second entry, second consecutive. The Mad King Eddie Kingston making his debut entry. And Mad Mikey Nichols from TMDK making his debut entry. It's the banger block. Yeah, the hard yeah. hitters. This is the hard hitters, tough guys block. Um, and I, I don't think that that's an unfair assessment of, of what to expect from these guys. I think they're going to beat the hell out of each other in general. And, I, you know, this block as a whole, it's, it's also, as, as with any of these, it's very intriguing. Um, unclear, but I think there's some hot hands here, right? I think David Finley is, I think I, I love him in his current role, his current incarnation leading this new bullet club, which is full of just badasses. And we'll talk a little bit more about some more of them as we go through here, but I think Finley's got to shine, right? Like Finley's got to shine if they're going to make this bullet, this particular bullet club work. Yeah. Um, so like he's the front runner to me. And then, you know, the rest of this block's kind of wide open, honestly. Like, you know, in, in a sense of booking strength, Tama Tonga's the third uh, third highest booking strength. He's tied with Naito um, for, for third highest. So only one main event, but three semi-mains. He's got more semi-mains than anyone in the, in the tournament. Um, and nothing, he, well, he's got, you know, one match that's sixth, one main event, three semi-mains, and then one match that's, you know, down card second. So Tomatonga is a guy that we haven't seen him a lot lately. They kind of wrote him off when he got demolished by Finley, but he's back now. And, and you know, I think a lot of people forgot about the fact that he was kind of a pushed entity for a while. So I think it's important to to look at Tomatonga as a, as a real threat here. Um. I think it was a real mistake not putting either Jeff Cobb or Taichi in this block. Uh, more specifically, I, I would have preferred Taichi to be in this block. But um, putting that aside, this is probably my second most uh, anticipated block of the tournament after A block, just because the level of violence is going to be so high in, in this uh, block. I mean, um, Ishii perhaps possibly the greatest all-time you know g1 participant there ever has been and he's in there with you know shingo and aaron hanare and eddie kingston and all those guys are going to kick each other's asses and then you've got um you know obviously evil and with evil we we're, it's hard to say what we're going to get out of him he could fuck off and he could be like one of the low men in the tournament and that sort of thing be the night off guy but um we know he has the propensity to work this style if need be and even mikey nichols um 
you know, there's people that have been down on Mikey Nichols in the past and for good reason. But if there was a style that I think will click most well with him in this tournament, it's going to be this bruiser style of wrestling. And I think he's going to fit in better here than he would have anywhere else in the tournament. Um, and then, you know, going with David Finley, he's shown nothing but the fact that he's extremely physical in this new uh, character. And sort of like what you mentioned, Chris, he has all of these guys underneath him and they're all showing a high level of physicality. And the only way for me to kind of believe in David Finley as being the plausible leader of that group, he's going to have to up his game even more to, to be a, a believable leader because all of the, the guys that are underneath him are, they're fucking people up and he's got to do that to an even higher degree. So there is a little bit of pressure on him, not just to have great matches, but also to like really, you know, kind of be a badass. Yeah, I think yeah, he definitely has to up the intensity, which he's done a great job since the heel turn. But yeah, with the way that, you know, Gabe Kidd and Coughlin and um, Connors and Drilla Maloney, like those war dogs, like those guys are, you know, killing it and really bringing that intensity. So yeah, Finley's got to yeah step his game up here in this tournament and really kind of be, um, you know, the, the leader of that group um, and show off his uh, his attitude here. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a, a very, I think, a very fun block. And I agree with you, Josh, with uh, Mad Mikey Nichols. He's you know kind of a meat and potatoes kind of style wrestler where I feel like he he does a lot of like brawling, a lot of striking. So I feel like yeah, this is going to be um, a good place for him. Um, I'm looking forward to see what Chingo Takagi is going to do. Um, you know, he's been in it now five years in a row, and each year he goes out there and he has a lot of great matches. Um, he's a guy I would like to see uh, go through, but. Uh, Again, this is so wide open. I, I definitely think Finley should go through. Uh, but then from there, there's so many options. You know, Tama Tonga, like you mentioned, Chris, he had that upset win over Okada last year and was kind of really pushed uh, in the first quarter of this year. It was never openweight champion. I've, and with him having so many, you know, semi-mains and main events, I feel like he's a guy you, you can send him and Finley through as, you know, you're, you're kind of two foreigners from this block to – to get into the quarterfinals, um, or you could you could send a guy if you like Shingo, um, but then there's also Eddie Kingston, who's an AEW guy. We know that AEW guys usually get a uh, pretty favorable booking, and Eddie is now the, the strong openweight champion, defeating Kenta uh, at uh, Independence Day night two. So he he's a New Japan champion. So uh, that there's a possibility for him to go through on that, also. Yeah, I one other person that would have fit beautifully in this block if they had extended the offer, Tom Lawler would have, you know, fit in like a glove. And it's kind of a shame. He's, he's one of the few omissions where I'm really like, dang, I can't believe they couldn't find a space for Tom Lawler, especially since he was in last year's tournament. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it really is open. Um, if I'm being realistic, as far as uh, believable guys that can get through, I think Eddie Kingston Shingo Takagi probably had the highest percentage of being the second, because I think we all believe David Finley is probably going through. I think those two guys are the most likely second entrant, but on a, to a lesser degree, I could even still see like evil or Tamatonga going through. So that kind of gives you four plausible guys to, to, to go through in this block aside from David Finley. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying, um, except that I think the story is that Eddie, let's, okay, so let's go back a little bit. Eddie Kingston is the reason Jay White's not allowed to wrestle for New Japan in storyline, right? Right. Kind of. I mean, he was the one who knocked him out completely. Yeah. Right? His last, Jay White's last New Japan match was with Eddie Kingston, right? Yeah. Bullet Club leader, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston beats Jay White. What happened after that at that show? Finley came out and attacked Jay. David Finley came out, right? Uh, the last night of this block, and in my opinion, the most likely main event, is Eddie Kingston versus David Finley. Mm. And if we're establishing David Finley as the new Bullet Club leader, he's going to beat the hell out of Eddie Kingston. And he's going to mm. talk about how Jay White couldn't. Jay White didn't. That's why Jay White's not here anymore. Right. David Finley just did. Right? Like, that's going to be... I can hear the promo now. And if they miss on this, I'm going to be a little bummed because I'm putting <laughs> some eggs in this basket. But it's going to be the main event. It's going to be Eddie's only main event in the in the tournament. Um, I mean, my bet is that that's the main event. I guess Shingo versus Evil could also be the main event at the Seabock final. But I think it's going to be Eddie Kingston versus David Finley. And I think David Finley's going to win. And I think that's going to be the talking point. And I think it's going to be a great moment for Eddie. It's going to be cool, you know, whatever it may be. But I think that the real the real push here is for David Finley. So I don't I and I don't see Eddie going through in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's very similar to what they did with uh, Okada and Lance Archer last year, giving Archer very strong booking. And then at the end, he put over Okada and didn't go through. So um, I, I don't doubt that what whatsoever um i do think that the fact again speaking similarly to what we talked about in the b block you have david finley and evil two of the like top end senior members of bullet club but you know there is this uh greater issue at hand because you've got the um what is what does david finley call it the savage club or or war dogs Dogs. war dogs baby but Those are my dogs also, for real. He's also <laughs> referred to it as like the Savage Club, I think, as well. Um, he, he calls themselves he he calls the group savages, and he says bring bring gold or bring bodies. So yeah, yeah okay. those those are all words that are getting thrown around. And like, then, are the, know, is the War Dogs the tag team, or is that the whole? Well, I've oh. heard the commentators have been saying War Dogs for everybody. Okay. Yeah, for for both the the heavyweight and the junior tag team, they're both called War Dogs. So I'm yeah, guessing it's well, all of them. These are my dogs for real. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have the House of Torture, which was another offshoot group from Bullet Club a few years ago. And obviously, Evil's the leader of that. And so there's going to be this issue between these two gentlemen. And maybe this is the final payoff to people that have been begging <laughs> for a Bullet Club Civil War for the last six years. But uh, here it is. Um, David Finley and, and you know Evil, they're in the same block. So... Main event of July 23rd at Big Hat in Nagano, night six, David Finley versus Evil. That's actually my my match of the block, I guess. Either that or Kingston Finley. But if we're looking kind of mid-block, that's the one that I'm watching. Mm. I'm, I'm a little worried about Eddie Kingston in this uh, block because I love Eddie Kingston, one of my favorite wrestlers, but he is not in good shape right now. And this is going to do one of two things. It's either going to break him or he is going to be 
so physically fit at the end of this thing one way or the other because he gives 110 percent every night and he's either going to kill himself like to go out there and put, have great performances every night or or either that or he's going to be forged in the fire and come out like you know looking like a million bucks because that happens for a lot of guys it's like they some of the their best uh physical condition comes at the tail end of the g1 because they're working you know so many so many matches each night that they they look incredible by the end of it all yeah luckily for him too there's there's a short time of matches so he probably won't have to go you know super long most block nights that's true that might maintain guys and and, you know there's guys there's other guys in the same boat right we're going to talk about a few of them probably as we get to d block but Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I do think the managing the minutes, right? I think that's a real thing. So, and I, I think that'll be helpful both for some of the new guys coming up who might not have the cardio or stamina built up yet, and and for some of the guys like like Kingston or or you know some of the guys that are at the tail end of their run, um, we could see. I, I there's some clever hiding of um, of you know, weaknesses that I think will come from the 20 minute time limit, the, you know, eight block matches a night, um, keeping those averages down. I think, I think it's going to make a huge difference for how these guys survive. And I, you know, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of people talking about Eddie Kingston and, and his general fitness and whether he can make it through this tournament and everyone knows he wants to do it. And, you know, he's so passionate about it. And I think that's going to carry him pretty freaking far as he goes into some of these venues that he's probably put up on a pedestal, you know, through his fandom as well as his, you know, studies of pro wrestling. So I'm, I'm really excited to see Eddie through it. I don't know that he's going to be your, you know, four stars every night kind of guy, you know, the old, the old Ishii role, I suppose you could call that, but I think he's going to bring so much to the table and he's going to make things really interesting that it's going to build up to that, that final block match against David Finley. And I think that's going to be really neat. Yeah. Mm. And, and so turns out for that main event, you have never open weight champ or strong open weight champ. And sure. All like the bull club stuff you mentioned. I think, yeah, that definitely makes that kind of screams main event scenario to me. Yeah. And since they put the title on Eddie recently, we, we all kind of know that in situations like this, they like to give some favorable booking to AEW contract talent. But now that he's also a reigning champion in New Japan, that gives it even a little bit more cushion and buffer for them to give him some favorable booking. And the fact that he probably is in the main event on that final evening against David Finley, that kind of screams, he's going to have a strong tournament. He's probably going to have a couple losses. And I'm assuming somebody else in this tournament aside from David Finley will beat him and be the next, you know, contender for the strong open weight championship, which, you know, there's that as well. Yeah. Uh, as far as matches to look, uh, look out for, for me, my, the match that I'm really looking forward to is uh, Shingo and Eddie Kingston. Uh, that's just going to be, you know, Haas heavy hitting matchup. And I think uh, Eddie Kingston is really going to shine that match. Yeah, um, one one other thing I wanted to touch on. We hadn't made too much mention of him, but Aaron Hanari, I know that not many people think he's going to have a shot at winning this block, but he's a guy that has had an incredible year. Some of the, the best matches he had this year were against Shingo. Those were some of the best matches in New Japan this year, and I think he's going to um, take even more of a step to work this style into have a breakout tournament. So I think he's somebody really to seriously look out for. 
in this block in terms of just uh, you know match output each night. But in terms of uh, the match I'm most excited for in the block, and I know it's very basic because we've seen it a million times, but it's kind of hard to count out against it because it's going to fucking rule. Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi, let's do it again. I love this matchup. It's one of my favorites in all of wrestling, and they're giving it to me. So already this G1 is probably better than the last two. Just because <laughs> of that. <laughs> and let's not forget, Ishii's 47. So we're, we, you know, we're borrowing some time for Ishii in the G1, and everyone looks forward to Ishii's G1s, and I think it'll be another good one, but let's let's enjoy every moment of it as we can because mm-hmm. um you know who knows right who knows as you get closer to 50 it's tough to justify you know the big summer tournament yeah so i'm, I'm also excited i'm excited for most ishii and shingo matches separately but then you put yeah. them together and it's uh it's a lovely it's a lovely battle um C block total number of matches entering as you as you come into the tournament 236. So A 76, B 272, C 236. Wow. Keep that in mind as we head towards the D block. Yep. Yeah, so uh D block the final block here, uh the the experience block. Do we say who we thought we're going through? Oh yeah, uh, shoot. Uh let's see. Uh I'm going to go Finley and Tamatonga. I've got Finley and Shingo. I think that Shingo versus Evil match on the final night is pretty telling. I think that means, in my opinion, I think Evil and Shingo are going to be pretty high point getters, each of them. Yeah, I've got Finley going through for sure. And then what I have written down right now is Shingo slash Evil. So I think that's the match that's for the block. Um, just based on how I've got my semis panning out, I'm gonna say Shingo because we'll talk through. I assume we'll talk through what our um, single elimination. I'm sure you're all writing this down and you're you're ready to talk what the single eliminations <laughs> look like later in the show. I had never considered it until you just said it. To be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, so that because I'm 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 gonna go Shingo because that lines him up against Suji in the in the quarterfinals, and I think that's interesting. Oh, gotcha. And then I've got Finley and Osprey in the in the other match that's full right now, and I think that's a that's a banger. Um, yeah, let me get a pen and paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that brings us to the uh, the D block. So we have the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. With his 22nd entry, 22nd consecutive, he won the G1 in 2007, 2015, and in 2018, and he's one-third of the never-openweight six-man tag team champions. We have Tetsuya Naito with his 14th entry, 14th consecutive. He won the G1 in 2013 and 2017. We have Hiroki Goto with his 16th entry, 16th consecutive tournament he won the G1 in 2008, and he is one half of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. We have Zack Sabre Jr. with his seventh entry, seventh consecutive. He is the NJPW World TV Champion. We have Toroyano with his 18th entry, 17th consecutive. Jeff Cobb with his fifth entry, fifth consecutive. And then two debut entries. Hysterical Shane Hayes from TMDK. 
and Alex Coughlin from the Bullet Club War Dogs, and he is one half of the strong openweight tag team champions. And he's my dog for real. He's my dog <laughs> for real. <laughs> that song is on Spotify if you're looking for it. Oh, it it's is. A, oh, uh, yeah. I'm I'll send to, you a link. It's uh, it's that. it's a good hype. It's a good hype song. Yeah, I'm I'm digging that song. Yeah, it's it's like almost one of those songs that's so bad that it's awesome. Yeah, um, but it's also <laughs> like just legitimately great. So I don't know. It's tough to tough to say. So I'm gonna finish the bit right because mm-hmm. you just went through everyone's G1 experience here. So. I'll, I'll go from the top here again, a block 76 total matches, uh, total G one matches as they come into the, uh, into this tournament, B block 272 C block 236 D block 628 G one climax matches amongst them, uh, which is wild and a ton of experience. You've got four of the top seven, all-time g1 like number of matches in there you've got tanahashi with the most ever at 166 coming into this tournament you've got yano with the third most he's at 136 coming into the tournament goto's the fifth most at 126 and naito is the sixth most or sorry the seventh most at 116 so you've got uh four wrestlers with more than 100 g1 matches already under their belt and then you've got a guy like zach saber jr who's got over 50 so you've got the opposite of the A block. You have all the experience you could ever want. Um, these guys haven't even talked about what they're doing for the G1 because they're so comfortable doing the G1. They're just going to roll in there and do it. So um, super stoked. I, I like the the dichotomy of the A and the D blocks and the fact that they're on different nights. And I think that that gives us a lot of different things to pay attention to. Um, a lot of rematches in the D block, a lot of first time matches in the A block. Um, I, I, I like every block sort of having a theme. So I think that's a really interesting way to do it. And it's not, it feels less like a mishmash. Yeah. But 628 matches is a hell of a lot of G1 matches. I haven't <laughs> run the numbers of whether or not that's like the most coming into a block, but it's pro it probably is. Yeah, ton of experience here in this block. I think we're gonna have a lot of really solid matchups coming from this block. Also, with just the, the ton of experience, I think this is a great opportunity for guys like Al Coglin and Shane Hayes, um, especially Coglin. You know, with this whole Bullet Club push and mixing it up there, I think this is the kind of matches people want to see with you know the um, guys like Narita and Umino. Those guys they want to see them face off against these guys. Well, Coglin's getting that chance here. And he's one of the guys, you know, one of the quote-unquote musketeers from the L.A. Dojo side of things. And so, big opportunity for him to mix it up with guys like Naito and, and Tanahashi. And, you know, the heat of rivalry with him and, and Goto. So, that's probably going to be a heated match when those guys face off there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what Coglin's going to do here and kind of his output here. Um, I think the, the shortened match time is going to help guys like Tanahashi and Naito, who are, you know, their, their best days are behind them. Um, more Tanahashi sort of than Naito. Um, uh, Tanahashi's been looking really rough this year. Um, so I do think a short match length is going to help him uh, get through this G1. And then for Naito and his, uh, you know, rusty needs, I, I think this will be a, a good change of pace for him to get down further in the stretch of the tournament. I'm not that excited about D block. Um, I mean, 
there's a lot of matchups that while they'll probably be good, we've just seen a lot of these matches. And like Chris mentioned, the, a lot of these uh, participants are longtime participants. So there's not a lot of new territory to kind of tread here. You know, it, it, it's very familiar. We've seen Tanahashi, Naito, Goto, and Yano and Sabre Jr., you know, quite quite a bit against one another. Um, and then even now, I think Alex Coughlin is an extremely interesting individual to be in this block, and he's probably the most intriguing thing to me here. But he's the case uh, example of what I mentioned earlier. You know, what if we'd taken those guys in the A block and kind of spread them around the tournament they'd probably end up in a similar position to where Alex Coughlin is to where like, he's going to work with a lot of these veterans and look to prove himself and probably uh, get some big establishing wins. But I personally don't see him going above 500 um, maybe. And if he does, it would only be just slightly above that. He, He doesn't have a chance to win the block or anything like that. And that's kind of a shame. It, it almost would have maybe been better to have him in that A block to some extent, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I think Colin would have been the guy good to go in that C block also. Yeah. Oh, he would have ruled in the C block. Yeah. Um, with all that being said, though, um, I don't see that many individuals in this block that have the propensity to actually win it. Um I think Naito, as well as Saber and Jeff Cobb, in my opinion, have to be your three favorites. Of course, Tanahashi has a, has a chance. He is Tanahashi, and you can't completely count him out. But I'm thinking, you know, w- with the story kind of being that he's on the decline, and with them having two big heavy hitters in that block, like Jeff Cobb and like uh, Zack Saber Jr., I think uh, this is the where he doesn't get through. And I think we're probably looking at like a Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. You know, block. So Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. is the main event of the. We're doing this again. Second to last block night. Oh, that's okay. I think that knocks one of them out. You it think very, so? It very, it very well could. And I yeah. mean, that would just be that. Would, I mean. That's we've done this so many times. Oh, Naito and Zach have been in the same G1 block. This is like the fourth fourth time in the last five years. So it's a Even thing. That, I'm not excited about that. Like I know the matches are great, and I know they've got a lot of history. Even going back to like I mean, Zach knocked him out of the tournament in 21, 20, 20. What year did Naito get hurt? Uh, I think it was 2020 where he had to forfeit all. Yeah, yeah, and that was Zach. And they just keep, they kind of keep going back to it. And they just keep going back and forth and, and doing this to each other, not just in this tournament, but in the New Japan Cup as well. But I don't know, man. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if that makes a difference to your picks that I think that's a knockout match. Yeah. Uh, it's it, not the main it, event. It's, the, it it's the D block main event. So it's the semi main in, in Hiroshima. You know what? I'm going to hold out hope and say on a night like that, Zach beats Naito and puts him in a. I have gotta to win in a do or die situation. You gotta gotta beat Tanahashi on the last night. That's what I think is gonna happen there because if he still has Tanahashi the final night, I think you can have Zach beat him and then he he has to do the come from behind thing that they always do with Naito. Totally. 
So who, yeah. who has Tanahashi, Zack or Naito? Uh, Tanahashi versus Naito is the uh, the final block match for, for both of them. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Matt final and- night is Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., Jeff Cobb versus Shane Hayes, Tanahashi versus Naito, and Yano versus Coglin. As much as things change in New Japan, some things just never change. And Naito's not going to be fully dominant in a block like this. He's going to sure. have to surge from behind, and he's going to be basically one, almost knocked out by the time he gets to Tanahashi on the final night. I, I'm inclined to agree. I also don't really see... I mean, Cobb could go through... Goto, I guess, could have another run, but he's so he's a, he's a tag guy now. So I mean, Tanahashi, that'd be a bold move to to put him back into a, to give him another singles match. So the man, <laughs> do, do, do we need it? Do we deserve it? I don't know. <laughs> what, um, what are the matches on the final block night for these guys? I just said them. You said all of them? Yeah, it's Goto, Goto Zack Sabre Jr., Cobb versus Shane Hayes, Tanahashi versus Naito, and Yano versus Coughlin. That's the fine the D block final night. Yeah. Okay. And Cobb has who? Haste. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that screams to me. This is just me personally. I think that screams Naito and Zach going through. Yeah, I, I think Naito and Zach are going through. I know that semi final the night before kind of makes it think like Zach, one of them might not go through, but it, it might lock up first place. Right. It could. And then Naito's got to keep keep fighting because he didn't win. He, he's trying to get that second slot. That's a fine and easy story to tell. Cobb, Cobb versus Shane Haste tells me one of two things. Either like it's going to be one of those round robin situations and he's going to need to pick up the win to qualify to go through, but it it more likely screams to me like either spoiler or not in play down right. the stretch. Fighting right. for pride. Yeah. Uh, Goto going through for another, you know, that's, quarterfinal that could happen. Match. That's not, that's not outrageous either though. No. So, and, and that would, that would probably knock Zach out. So I, um, I think those guys, those are the four that are in play. I mean, every block seems to have kind of four guys that are really in play. The G and G one does stand for Goto. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. Someone said that once. Somebody I think. It. I think. I, if I'm, I'm going pretty chalk on, on the D block here too. I think I pick Zach to win and Naito to to come in second, which sets up the quarters that I want, but has no way of getting me to the finals that I want. So I'm just gonna wing it from here. You know what's crazy? I, I just kind of winged, and I know we're not there yet. We'll, we'll get there, but I winged my my A through D people, and then I, I, I looked at New Japan World to figure out how this is all supposed to play out, and then I, I, I looked at it, and you know what? I think I'm right. I think I've got the perfect <laughs> you know mix of matches with the right outcomes, and I got the exact semifinals and you know um, finals that I, I think is going to happen, so it works out. Yeah, Congratulations. I, I'm pretty happy with um, what I have laid out here, too, for my five quarters. But for me, I, I have Naito being first and Zach being second for what I have okay. laid, laid out. Now, I got Naito going second. He's got to come from behind. He's got to <laughs> be the lowest <laughs> to, to go through. So I guess now we should walk through 
our single eliminations, yeah? Yeah. Well, let's go one by one, I guess. That's probably the easiest way to go through it. Yeah. So, so Josh, what are your quarters? Okay, well, I have, and I just kind of wasn't. So, the, and, so A1 and C2. Right. I have no rhyme or reason for why I picked anyone to be A number one versus number two other than I just BS'd it. Sure. That's yeah, wh- totally fair. You knew the <laughs> two that you wanted to go through, and you're now you're building out your your single eliminations. So I wound up with Sonata versus Shingo. Oh, that's fun. And, and then after that, I wound up with Osprey versus Naito. And on that side of things, I think that um, Shingo would beat Sonata, and Naito would beat Osprey giving us the big Naito versus Shingo all LIJ match. And then um, on the other side of things, I wound up with Finley versus Okada and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kiyomiya. And with that, that gives us the big Okada versus Kiyomiya match that everyone's been waiting for. And, And I didn't plan it out that way until I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, it lines up. Here we go. So, and I think that those are two really big matches that like make total sense for, you know, a finals sort of situation. And, um, and then ultimately I would have Naito go through and Kiyomiya avenge his loss to Okada. And we wind up with Kiyomiya versus Naito in the finals with Naito beating Kiyomiya to win the G1 this year. Chris, you want to go next? Yeah. Are you Josh, rethinking things? No, we ours are very similar. We have oh, very okay. similar paths. Yeah. Except my so A1 A one C two, I've got Suji and Shingo. Um and then B one D two. So that that other kind that quadrant, I've got Osprey and Naito, same way you did. Um I've got Naito going through and then facing Suji. And the Osprey Naito thing, it, it works out too because of the history from last year. Totally, hundred percent, hundred percent, and it knocks Osprey out, mm-hmm. um, and it probably knocks Osprey out with a guy who doesn't need a U.S. title match. Exactly, right. Yeah. And I think that that's that's part of the strategy once you get that deep in the tournament. And then, yeah, I've got Finley Okada, Zack Saber Jr., Kiyomiya. Um, wow, we have the same ones. Yeah, that's crazy. I had Osprey and Okada flopped. Like I had um, Okada winning the block. And then it was Okada Naito. But you don't wind up with Kiyomiya. But I'd need that Kiyomiya Okada match to happen. And I guess they could just be teasing it. Um, But I think that's a really important match to happen. So then I've got Okada Okada over Finley. I've got Zach and Kiyomiya because I think there's something going on with um, TMDK and Noah. Mm -hmm. So I think that that'll tie in somehow, right? So I think that's an important match to happen in these quarterfinals. Um, but I do have Kiyomiya going through, which then maybe could invite Zach to Noah to avenge the loss or, you know, whatever it may be. Right. Um, but then this is where we we go. Because I've got Suji and Naito, and I think Naito wins that. I do think that's more interesting than Shingo Naito, though I would love the Shingo Naito match too. So I've got Naito going through from that quadrant. And then I've got, everyone thinks Kiyomiya is going to get a win. I've got Okada going in. And then I think you've got a G1 final of Naito versus Okada. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't know who wins that. 
my like heart says Naito because I think Okada's got a bunch of other shit to do. Um, but God, nothing would surprise me. <laughs> Three peep. Yeah. Yeah. And then that would mean Okada would have beaten who he in, in the finals. He beat, um, David Finley. No, no, no. The, the, the final matches of the G one over his last three. Oh, uh, he, he beat Abushi. Who did he beat last year? Who was in the final? Osprey. Osprey. So Abushi, Osprey, Naito wouldn't be a terrible, you know, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, I don't know. I think I would have to pick Naito. I think, and then Naito goes to the dome and maybe that's Naito Sonata. Yeah. Cause that, that, I mean, you could put anyone in there with Naito, anyone that's kind of in the picture already. And, and I think people would be happy. So for me, I got my A1 is Kiyomiya with my C2 being Tamatonga. And then my B1 is Okada. My D2 would be Zack Sabre Jr. We know they love doing Okada versus Sabre in uh, tournaments. Uh-huh. Then my C1 is Finley versus my B2 Osprey. We know they have history oh, from yeah. last year's G1. And then my D1 is Naito and my A2 is Sonata. And we so know- you booked the quarterfinals like a banger card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I have Kiyomiya beating Tamatanga and Okada beating Saber, which would give us that Kiyomiya Okada match. And then I got Osprey beating Finley and Naito beating Sonata, which would give us Osprey uh, Osprey Naito in the semifinals. Run that back from last year. So I have Naito beat Osprey this time. Kiyomiya beats Okada. Just like Josh, I have Kiyomiya, Kiyomiya and Naito for the finals with Naito winning. See, I like I like yours better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I like I think I like both of yours better than mine. I think ultimately though when when you kind of mentioned the fact that like it would be very and you didn't say it in these words, but I was thinking of this, it would be very ghetto and very new Japan to have Okada just beat Kiyomiya again. <laughs> be funny as hell too. Yeah. Dude, the internet will be crying. It makes, oh me, feel, my it God. makes me feel like me and Jeremy are wrong and you're right. I can think of a couple of people that are I just I would run directly to their Twitters to see their reactions. But you somehow you gotta that, get you should, somehow you, you gotta get those to, people are off air. I will not. <laughs> they're they're not hard to find. Um just people who are very vocal fans of Kiyomiya and or Noah. Um, yeah. I just think that that's the play. Everyone will just think Kiyomiya is going to, going to bounce him. This is the moment. This ain't it. The moment comes after he shows up and he's got a contract. <laughs> <laughs> he gets another head pad for his participation. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I know they haven't done this in a really long time, but you know, I think of those classic, G1s where they bring in a foreign ace, have them go all the way to the end and then lose in the finals. And there is a little bit of precedent there, although Ghetto himself hasn't done that. Uh, the closest that we probably ever got to that was like Marafuji going deep yeah. in the G1. Yeah. Yeah. And th- if that's the comparable, then Kiyomiya will have a win over Sonata. And in which case, shit. <laughs> In which case, Okada's winning the damn tournament. Kiyomiya's going to walk in the, uh, as the champ. 
I have thought about that scenario. Because Kiyomiya would, would be the guy at Ryugoku, probably. He could win the title, which is something they haven't done in a long time, but we're doing stuff this year. And he could face Okada at the Dome. And then lose the, again? For the title. <laughs> yep. And m- maybe, I don't know. Yes, and lose, lose again. <laughs> yep. We gave you yeah, the we're belt. Really, you know, <laughs> y- y'all thought Mudo buried this man? <laughs> This is New Japan Pro Wrestling, okay? Oh, man. No, I don't... I mean, it's so complicated. Uh, yeah. And that's why this G1 is fun, right? I We could go back and listen to, like, our last three G1 previews, right? Which we always have a great time, but... We're there always were a couple, wrong. There was, there were a couple of those tournaments. We were wrong, but we weren't that wrong. Yeah, right? I, I listened to last year's. We were pretty close last year. Okay, sweet. Nailed it. Feeling good about that then. I trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to go listen to it. But, like... I, there was so many more clear lines in the past four or five G1s, right? Even back to 2019. Um, this year, especially with the quarterfinals, the four blocks, I love the layout. I love that it's quarterfinals too, and it's not just semis. Mm-hmm. That, that adds such a big wrinkle. Um, there's a lot to enjoy about this tournament. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's wide open because we all have really similar guys going through into the, the knockout round. But as you progress through the knockout round, it gets really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you add in Kiyomiya and what do you think Okada's doing in the dome? And is does Naito have one more run in him? Can Naito finally get the roll call in the dome? You know, where does Osprey fit into all this? He's the U.S. champ, but he's also a main eventer. He could definitely lose that title somewhere along the lines. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks later in a big-ass stadium. You know, like, there's so many factors with New Japan really, like, coming into its own again um, that this is a really, you know, like, all, all predictions out the window. I think this is just going to be a really fun tournament to just enjoy. Here's here's what I'm expecting Okay, um, I think we get that Naito versus Osprey match. Osprey looks like he has everything locked up, and to add insult to injury, he puts uh, Naito on his shoulders. He's walking around the ring. Um, Suddenly, the ref is distracted, and Kenny Omega comes from underneath the ring oh, and spikes this man <laughs> in the head, <laughs> allowing allowing Naito to win with the Destino and. and and knocking with a screwdriver. <laughs> you think Kenny's going to Japan? Yeah, he's going to show up in Japan. He 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 didn't come to Japan to defend the title at all, but he's going to show up to screw Osprey. <laughs> I would be that would align with the what I would expect. <laughs> I think we got some questions about all this though. We need to run through real quick. Yeah. So uh, Heavenly Halberd in the Discord says. Who has the most to prove slash needs to have a good performance the most coming into this G1? Shota Umino. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with Dave Finley. Sure, okay. Mm. That's fair, too. Um, I think I'm also going to go with Shota Umino. Yep, that's a great pick. I mean, he's a guy that they're, they're pushing clearly as the you know next Tanahashi. So I mean, he has to or Moxley, yeah, or Naito, or Naito, <laughs> yeah, one of those three, yeah. or all of them. Yeah, he. There's a picture of him. He's wearing a hat that says Shooter, 
a shirt that says roughneck. He's got a jacket that says death riders. Like this man is having an identity crisis. And I think we need to intervene. Like what it is. It's like, pick a, pick a nickname. Neither of them are really all that good, but just pick one. He was a really big fan of like those wrestlers, like the undertaker, but he failed to realize that undertaker acquired all those nicknames over like 20 years in the business. He didn't get them all at the same time. He's like, I need nicknames. And they were like, you're the roughneck. He's like shooter. He's like, Moxley calls me shooter. No, I, I like Shoto Amino. I think he's great. I think he's got, he's got the highest upside of that group. He could be a star if he puts it all together he hasn't put it all together yet. We haven't seen a sustained run of Shota Umino, both knocking out some wins, getting some strong booking as well as like just really showing up for these, these events. So I'm, I'm excited for it and I hope he comes out as the leader of this group. But you know, I think Suji's Suji's miles ahead of him right now. So mm-hmm. this is going to be a really important G1 for Shota to do some catch up. But I do think that, I know we're joking about like the nicknames and his character, but I do think the lack of one direction, I think is hurting him. Cause at one point he's coming out, he's smiley, happy, lucky baby face. He's slapping hands, kissing babies, taking pictures of all the kids and stuff, giving away armbands. And then next minute he's teaming with Mox, Moxley and their, you know, Blackpool combat club. And then he's feuding with Okada and he's just, you know, young angsty, like, you know, I, I got to prove I'm better than Okada, kind of cocky, arrogant young guy. And, like, he's kind of all over the place with what his, like, character and demeanor is. And I think that lack of direction, I think, is hurting him. New uh, Japan just uh, announced Hiromu as the first entrant for the U.S. All-Star Junior Festival. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, he'll be there? Yeah, he'll be there. <laughs> Who um, knew? I only I only say David Finley just because yes he's already proven himself in the past but with with the high caliber level of 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 like performers that are underneath him in the Bullet Club there's just I could just see six months down the road who's the real leader of this <laughs> conversation springing up unless he really has like a, a truly you know. Um, outstanding performance yeah uh next set of questions here from the discord daddy mjs pr what is the least predictable block and who will get wins or sonata oh that's a uh, that's a tough question because i mean in terms of like i think the a block is really hard to predict but i don't think the guys coming out of it are hard to predict necessarily mm-hmm. um in terms of like who has the most which block I think has the most viability for uh, people to go through. It might be C block. C. Yeah. Yeah, definitely C. Yeah. There's like six guys that I could see going into the semis from C or the quarters. Yeah. Yeah. As far as guys that could get a win over Sonata. And I guess, I don't know. I, I, we could always include other people outside the block provided he goes into the, uh, quarterfinals but in the block my money would be on i think kiyomi is a good pick I, I, well you've already said it i think shoto umino and kiyomi are your two leading contenders but um i think suji's also a, another strong candidate of those three i think like one of them lands in a draw mm. like i i i 
I will trash talk people that in their G1 pickums pick draws like across the board because I think it's weak and a cop out and there just aren't that many draws in these tournaments. But if there's going to be one this year, and I, I think with the 20 minute time limit, you got to figure they're going to pop a draw here or there, maybe early in the tournament just to establish the 20 minute thing as like a threat. Um, so I, but I think, I don't think Sonata's going to eat three out of seven losses. No, uh, I think he's going to eat two, maybe yeah. in a, at two in a draw. Um, you know, and like I said, the draw kind of takes that person out of the equation for like the Ryugoku in October and maybe a power struggle, you know, defense or maybe something in America if they if they're doing another big show in America. So, I you know, I think there are there's plenty of options there. Um, you know, I think the dark horse is like a guy like Red Narita, mm. you know, like just popping a win and like getting a big spot later in the fall to see if he catches. A lot of this stuff is just to see what catches on with the fan base. Well, you know, they got Hikaleo in there and there's they could just do the Hikale- main event thing. Main event night one of the G1 Climax 33, Hikaleo versus Sonata. I mean, that's your night one main event, my friend. If you how, want to establish Hikaleo as a threat, you have him go over upset alert how, and go how over. How many strong. times did Fale do that to even totally. guys like Okada and totally. Tanahashi? So that's very plausible. It's yeah, it's not out of the question that Hikaleo wins that match and then like loses the next six. <laughs> yeah, like legit, legit. Yeah. Not honestly, I'd kind of love it. So uh, moving on to question from uh, Dragon Master Adam on Twitter. Choose one match outcome that would be the worst upset and the best upset, like Suji beating Sonata, thumbs up, Tangaloa beating Okada, thumbs down. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just said Hikaleo defeats Sonata on night one. You pick which, if that's best or worst. And... Honestly, Tangaloa beating Okada. <laughs> that, that's that doesn't sound right, but I don't know. I guess if you got to balance the numbers <laughs> one way or another, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's tough. I mean, there's so many really good. I, I think uh, the worst upset to me would be like Chase Owens beating Sonata. Oh, so so Chase like gets a title shot. <laughs> well, I don't. He doesn't even have to get. A title you don't even. Shot, I mean, like, like it doesn't always happen that way, right? Yeah. We didn't really explain any of this for like first time watchers, right? Usually, if someone beats a champion in a tournament uh, because it's not a championship match, then the next step is that they get a championship match down the line, and that goes for most of the titles. So it, it's usually used to set up, you know, another title match, especially at this top level. So. um yeah, I'm excited to see Chase in in the A block though. I actually think he's he's going to be really a good a good piece to that puzzle. I, I'm a fan of Chase Owens, but I don't think Chase Owens should be beating the IWGP champion. Sure, that, the book. That, yeah, that's what that's my main reason for saying that. Now, if yes. I were to pick something that I think would be incredible and would be the best upset that you could do in the entire tournament, Kazuchika Okada gets beaten. By Tai Chi. Mm. That sounds great. That would be so fucking <laughs> cool. <laughs> Chase Owens is tied for the lowest uh, booking uh, in the in the tournament. So he's got he doesn't have anything past fourth on the card. 
Yeah, he he should so, not beat Sonata. <laughs> just just putting it out there. The other guy that's low while while I'm looking at this this screen in my infinite number of windows that I have open, um, Great Ocon, really low on the booking totem pole. He's the fifth lowest booked. Um, he doesn't have anything past fifth on the card, so he has no sixth match, no semi mains, no main events. Um, he's he that's kind of surprising but again we, we talked about that a lot earlier but that kind of quantifies that he's he hasn't been booked strong but i think he does have a couple of highlighted matches so he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on mm-hmm. well that that could also be one of those things where sometimes they put a, somebody in that kind of position and they sneak the, all their wins through and you right. don't see it coming yeah right uh for a cool upset i think chris mentioned earlier i think like Renarita beating sonata would be like a really cool upset to just kind of catapult Narita into that main event picture. Um, and then, yeah, like, I agree if you got like with either the yeah, Tangaloa beating like Okada or Osprey or Chase, yeah, beating Sonata would probably be not the great of upsets. I'm looking at like the last nights for like a meaningful, terrible upset. <laughs> um, but there really isn't anything on those that I think is like even plausible. There's the one I said, Chase and Sonata. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> uh, next question here from our friends over at the Super J cast. I said, which matches are you circling in the schedule for whatever reason, be it snowflakes, history, shit talking, future significance, storylines, potential angles, or just general vibes? I feel like we, it's a great question, but I feel like we covered all that in the review or preview. How about this? I'll change I'll change Joel's question because I am allowed to do that. What's your vibes match of the tournament? Like it's not necessarily gonna be a stars match. It's not necessarily gonna be important to the 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 finals, but like just the vibe of the match you think is gonna be like either interesting or cool or unique. Hmm. Just because Joel mentioned a vibes match, and vibes is kind of my word of the week. Uh, you guys answer because I'm not quite sure what vibes is. <laughs> What's the vibe? Like the vibe is like, like the crowds into it. It may not be meaningful, but like for whatever reason, people are just have picked up on like this particular match as being like fun or important. Okay. Um, do we need to pick one for each block or just one? No, nah, just pick one. I think that, um, Aaron Hanari and Tomohiro Ishii is going to rule. That's a vibes match. I think Alex Coughlin and Goto is going to be a vibes I, match. I think Okada versus Yoshihashi and Cork and Hall is going to be a vibes match. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. That's like that's the vibes match of all vibes matches, I think, mm. because Yoshihashi and Cork and in the semi main that night, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, that Cork and. Night seven is going to be a banger night. That's going to be a fun one. There's a lot of cool stuff on that night. I think Suji and Narita too is another one that's like they're they're such polar opposites at this point with the way they're being presented. That's going to be very interesting to see how they interact with one another. Nice. Yeah, and Josh mentioned this one earlier, but Gabe Kid and Narita, like I don't yeah. I don't know if that's going to play into the finals. I mean, based on what we booked, it's not. But like that's going to be a vibe of like, yeah, these guys just out here. Killing They're each going, other. going for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Gabe That's Kid just match. like <laughs> saying every curse word under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. Uh, let's see. Next question here from Jeff O'Farrell on Twitter it says odds on this being Kevin Kelly's final G one. Chris told me it is, so that's what? it. <laughs> I, 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 I will not. I will not have that. You know, I will not have that. Chris no. Sampson reports. <laughs> no. No. According to sportofprowrestling.com. No. I'm going to keep interrupting you. Absolutely not. I will not have it. If I had my druthers about me, I would make Jeremy edit this. I want to be We're really just clear. joking, guys. I, I want to be very clear. I know nothing. Um, I What I do know is that Kevin takes a lot of pride in the work he does. And I, I think he's going to put himself in a position to to continue to be prideful with the work that he does. So, and and that's he you know, he puts a lot of effort into the prep, you know, and, and some of that is is you know by you know keeping an open line relationship with me and asking you know for things and you know I Kevin is is as good as it gets by my money, and I'm incredibly biased to be very clear. Um, Kevin has you know been really cool and really great to me and given me a lot of you know, cool opportunities to meet people and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Like can't, can't speak higher of, you know, my experience with Kevin. I think when it comes down to it, he's, you know, he's going to do what's best for him. What's best for his family. I think there's a lot of great broadcasters that would love the opportunity to call new Japan pro wrestling at a high level, the way Kevin has for the last, what, seven or eight years. Right. So I would, I would love for that to continue to be Kevin Kelly. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, when you get, when you get booked by, by AEW, I think it gets a little harder to, to clear the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if he's ever going to come over for a full tour and bail on, you know, a month's worth of AEW, it's going to be for the G1. Right. So I, you know, and that, I don't think that's implausible that Kevin does his summers with new Japan, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, I, like I said, I know nothing. I, you know, I hope that that line stays open that relationship stays open, but you know, we have to, we have to admit there's a chance we're going to hear some different voices calling new Japan in the English language. And I don't think that's a terrible thing, but I, you know, I do think Kevin has about as deep a knowledge about, um, the promotion as, as you can get from an English broadcaster, him and Chris for that matter. So, um, you know, my hope is that he continues in some capacity, whether that's, you know, all the stuff he's been doing in every tournament or just the G one and wrestle kingdom. I think that would be cool too. Right. He's a, he's a special voice and he's had a special role in the, in the community of new Japan for a very long time. And, you know, I hope, I hope that continues in whatever capacity he sees, you know, is best for him and his family and, and his, you know, his checkbook. Yep. Chris said it the best. I mean, I couldn't say any better than that. Yeah. Did all of that. Yeah. Definitely hope that Kevin sticks around, but I will say like, I thought Ian Okabani did a great job for the new Japan strong. A hundred percent. Independence Day show. So he's definitely a guy that could kind of step into that spot. If Kevin decides that he's going to be AW full time, but Ultimately, I would love Kevin to stick around and maybe he slides into the Don Callis old role of showing up just for the big shows. That, that'd that be cool, too. I've got Ian's email address, too. Some of the stats are going to keep showing up. <laughs> the other thing, too, is, I mean, um, Chris Charlton has grown immensely as a broadcaster. I mean, there was a period where, tremendous. you know, we thought the rumor was that he was going to get fired and. You know, he wasn't showing up on shows for that one period of time and everyone was, you know, clamoring for his return. And now, like, 
they're entrusting him to like do shows on his own sometimes, or if not on his own, you know, with uh, some of the like kind of guiding other veterans uh, like Ian Riccoboni and others, you know, through uh, the broadcast. So like he's, he's, you know, up to the task at this point. Yeah. Next questions here from Rambone Slam Pig. First, he says, "Which block are you most intrigued by, and which which is least interesting to you?" Most A, least D. See, I'm most intrigued by C because there's so many guys that could go through, mm-hmm. and because a lot of those matches are gonna rip. Mm-hmm. Um, least, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I think B is just so clear to me as to who could possibly go through and I, you know, I hope they throw a curveball, but Okada and Osprey, how do you, how do you get out of that? So to me, that, that feels less, um, less intriguing. Cause I, I, uh, in my opinion, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. A is the most intriguing to me just based on all the young guys. Then yeah. B would be the least intriguing to me too, just because yeah, it seems so obvious that Okada Osprey are going to be the two, but then again, we might be wrong. And we're then... totally going to be wrong, <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, he also asks. He says, "My belief is that Naito will win the G One and then go on to challenge Tanada at the Tokyo Dome." I think a lot of people are feeling that this is the plan. Is there another outcome you would rather see? Rather see, so like our preference. Okay, I mean there is there is a scenario <laughs> I would rather see, but it's not going to happen. But if we're just talking about things I want to see. Then there's this man named Tomohiro Ishii, and he'd be winning the fucking G1. <laughs> oh man, that's what I would like to see: Ishii winning the G1. Period. I would like to see Osprey get his G1 win. Yeah. yeah, I just think this is a weird year for that to happen. I would love to see Shingo win a G1. I know he's kind of mm-hmm. been in KOPW zone since losing the world title, but. I mean, he had a great world title match this year for Okada, which I think people have forgotten about already because it was in February. But, like, this guy's incredible. And, like, get him in the Tokyo Dome again. Like, he needs to main event another Tokyo Dome. Fair. Uh, last question here from the Dark Soldier. He says, I know every year that passes by comes less likely, but I feel it in my bones. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. This year, the G and G1 will stand for Goto. I believe in Goto. I believe in him the same way I believed in Matt Menard and the Butcher last Wednesday on Dynamite. Seriously, AW is a dog expletive company by allowing Vanilla, Midget Spot, Monkeys, Cole, and MJF to beat that star-studded tag team. NJPW will succeed where AW failed. Are you with me? What is this unhinged question? (laughs) (laughs) I am uncomfortable. I, I think it's the way Jeremy's reading it. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's. I mean, I'm sure you're a fine person. Whatever your handle is, Dark Soldier. <laughs> Dark Soldier. I've heard your name before. What? Why are you so mean? This was a stream of consciousness question. Is what this was. <laughs> Did this come in four separate tweets? Like the wackos that are in a Discord that just like. No, it, it was it, it was one big Reddit uh, oh. post. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so I don't to, even to boil it down to was. its nuts and bolts. No, Goto is not winning the G one. I think the G and G one stands for Gene Blast. Oh, who's that? Oh. Suji. 
I, I forgot. Oh. That's his nickname. How could you forget? The, the... Gene Blast, baby. Oh, no, I mean, we got a lot of bad nicknames in the A block. <laughs> Son of Strong Style, like Cosplay Ren Narita. You know, like that's, I don't know if I would highlight all that. If, if, but, if and, I... and, but Gene Blast is a premium <laughs> nickname. They that should. Premium Puro nickname. They need to make a shirt for him that says Gene Blast, but it needs to be in the style of the AJ Styles TNA shirt. <laughs> and if you guys don't know what I'm talking yeah. about, just no, I'm, yeah, Google AJ Styles. That's brilliant. TNA shirt. <laughs> you need to design that and get it to someone's hand. <laughs> I don't know how to work our Twitter. I'm not going to know how to design uh, a Gene Blast shirt. <laughs> Zach yeah, Porter, don't, if you're don't, listening. Don't Google that. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So we have uh, the first two nights of G1 Climax this weekend. Let's, let's go through these cards real Speaking quick. Speaking of Climax. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> And uh, both of these nights will be free on NJPWWorld.com. So if you are new in New Japan, you maybe you watched Forbidden Door, you saw some, some cool Japanese guys, and you're like, hey, I want to watch this New Japan thing. Well, you can watch the first two nights of G1 Climax for free. Just create an account on njpwworld.com. You don't even need an account. Oh, you don't even need an account. Just log in for free, hit that play button, and watch some awesome G1. So on night one, it's going to be a A and B block night. So opening up, we got El Phantasma versus Yoshihashi from the B block. From the A block, Chase Owens versus Gabe Kidd. From the B block, Kenta versus Tangaloa. From the A block, Shota Umino versus Ren Narita. From the B block, Kazuchika Okada versus Great Okan. From the A block, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Yota Tsuji. From the B block in the semi-main event, we have Taichi versus Will Ospreay. And then the main event will be the world champion, Sonata, versus Hikaleo. And then night two will be a C and D block night. So we'll open up with C block with Tomohiro Ishii versus Dave Finley. Then from the D block, we'll have Toriano versus Hiroki Goto. From the C block, we'll have Mikey Nichols versus Aaron Hanare. From the D block, we'll have Shane Hayes versus Alex Coughlin. From the C block, Eddie Kingston versus Shingo Takagi. From the D block, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Then the semi-main event from the C block will be Tama Tonga versus Evil. And then the main event from the D block, Tetsuya Naito versus Jeff Cobb. So... Some pretty stacked cards here for the first two nights. Those are good. Yeah, these are really good cards. Kind of awkward, odd main events, right? If I just separate out all the main events, it's just such a strange run of matches. I don't think it's out of the question that's, that Sonata and Hikaleo match is a is an upset. Like now after we kind of talk through it, and now that I kind of have my, you know, my wits about what the weekend looks like, damn, they like to do an early tournament upset, so... I'm not I'm not ruling it out, but yeah, those are gonna be great. The crowds in Hokkaido are usually pretty, pretty good. Um, and I think this is gonna be an exciting G1 where people are excited to get in there and you know cheer and be vocal and be a hot crowd. And I think that you know the, the ticket sales are already pretty strong for most of these nights. So I think we're gonna see, you know, a classic G1 tournament. I think the wrestlers are really motivated, and you know, these first two nights are really gonna set the tone, I think. And I'm I'm super excited to you know, wake my ass up at whatever, <laughs> two or three in the morning and watch live with uh, with all you Shin Nihon freaks, as you like to be called. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's the first two nights. Uh, typically, 
this is where some of the biggest upsets and, and craziest things occur during the tournament. So sort of expecting some of that to take place. And I mean, the two matches that stand out to me that I'm really looking forward to on these two nights, uh, Kiyomiya versus Suji really stands out to me on night one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Eddie Kingston and Shingo Takagi on night two. Um, honorable mention for Tai Chi and Will Ospreay. Yeah, all those going to be great. So yeah, looking forward to kicking off the tournament this weekend. will be fun to watch. It's free, so again, if you don't have an account, you can watch it. And if you love it, pay six bucks a month and get you in on this tournament. It's going to be awesome. So in the news here, moving on, um, the New Japan Academy Showcase is now up on YouTube. So Jeremy, we're going to cover that next week's episode, right? Uh, we can. <laughs> oh, I was just playing. I uh, <laughs> um, and then last bit of news, uh, light news week, but uh, Michael Oku did defeat Great Ocon to become the new Rev Pro British champion. So that did happen. And we got some questions bringing it out of here. Yeah, uh, from Ready User Dramatic Post 7495. says, I enjoyed your analysis of CM Punk at Forbidden Door. I think he really proved that he can hang with the New Japan dads. What do you think his ceiling would be if he joined New Japan proper? GHC champion? If CM Punk came to New Japan and was like really serious about it, he'd probably be like in the title picture or the world champion very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, he could he could obviously pop in and do like Jericho style programs. Yep. Yeah. You know, for the for the big shows. And that would I, I would love for someone from AEW to kind of do that again like consistently drop in for you know dominion you know ria goku in october and and tokyo dome you know i think that would be that would be neat but you know they're busy over there they got a lot going on uh they got a lot of tv time to fill and they're all trying to make billion dollars or whatever so like i i get it but it would be it would be cool if someone like stepped aside for three weekends or three days out of the year and like built some programs that were like story driven, um, not just dream matchy, but um, yeah. And I think that's what punk would be capable of also because he's such a good storyteller that he could do that with one appearance to build it. And then the match. And I think that would be really neat if he was up to, to doing the travel or if he needed to, you know, disappear from AEW for a little while. But um, yeah, I don't see that being, a likely path forward but yeah i think that that would be his lane and and of course you know like a guy like jericho even had an iwgp title match right so like you could get right into that title picture too yeah i think john moxley could be end up being that guy again that does some yeah. more programs I and mean, we saw him at dominion we saw him at you know new japan strong independence day so i think he'll be a guy that we will start seeing again more now that you know the travel's kind of cleared up and He's being very selective about his independent date, so I think we could see him more uh, later this year and, and going into next year. But yeah, if, again, like if Punk came to New Japan, yeah, he would definitely be seen as a top star. Uh, I mean, I don't know how great the matches would be, but he would end up being in that main event picture. The thing is, in 2011, CM Punk cut the pipe bomb promo, and in that promo, he said, I might even go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Liar. He has never been and never will be New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say never. I bet he'll show up at some point. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, last set of questions here from Dark Soldier. Uh, first, he says, hey, young boy, last week you talked about how you like 
wrestlers wearing American flag shorts. I'm listening to you guys with my American shorts this week. Do I get your approval? Sure. <laughs> These dark soldier questions are dangerous. <laughs> <to me. laughs> uh, he says, it's always, always cool seeing that junior heavyweight Alex Zane, such a junior, unlike that heavyweight Yujiro Takahashi, right? It's not even a question. He's just making statements now. <laughs> uh, then he says, "Zane's about to. He's going to start tagging with Lance Archer. They're they're <laughs> the the junior thing for Zane is over. Yeah, right. Yeah, Am I wrong? I, I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think unless I hope they actually do that tag team because uh, unless we're going to be at an open weight tag team and challenge the the War Dogs for the strong open weight tag titles. Oh." Yeah, you might have something there. <laughs> it's not about weight divisions. It's about that could be fun limits. too. That could be a gr- that could be a really good time. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for that. I like your booking. Thank you. Uh, let's see. His next question said, "Did John Moxley find his life partner when he saw Jr. Kratos bleed the way he did during the Independence Day shows?" No, he found her in the backstage at WWE. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's married to Renee Paquette. <laughs> Get it together, Dark Soldier. This is these are so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jeremy's got this policy of like reading every question and comment that comes in, but man, yeah, Jeremy, you if ever, rethink, you might want to rethink your policy. <laughs> well, here, here's his last question uh, for the week. He says, "Whatever happened to Makabe? He doesn't show up as much as he used to. Even the dads at Hanma wrestle more than he does now. What happened?" That's a, okay, that's a fine question. Also, my understanding was that he tried to get really way more into like traditional acting. And that's what he was up to. But I don't know. He's probably doing fine somewhere and just relaxing, not taking bumps. I heard he got into drugs. No, you didn't. <laughs> Keeping a strong cell reports. Yeah. Uh, y'all, got, y'all got to be careful. People listen to this shit now. Dude, it's always funny. Like, Josh is so so surprised when, like, people, like, pick our stuff up. He's like, what? Like, how is this happening? I'm not, I'm not I mean, just, I'm not just this surprised. Man, I'm, I'm, severe, I'm seriously bothered by it. This man messaged me on one of the many messaging apps that I have an open line of communication with Josh on. And he's like, bro. How did everyone find this interview with did with Robbie Eagle? And I was like, Josh, it's you you do a public podcast that like hundreds, maybe a thousand plus people download every week. Like people listen. And also you had an interview, a good really good interview with Robbie Eagles on it. So of course people listen to it. And he was like, Yeah, but everyone listened to it and everyone posted something about it. I was like, let me explain to you aggregation. <laughs> I was like, one person listened to it probably at like three times speed because they wanted to be the first person to get the quotes. And then everyone else just copy and pasted from them. That's, just, that's the I internet now. I didn't know if it was AI, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, uh, at least you explained to him. He, he asked in our group chat and we all just like, you guys just trolled me. See, well, I, I'm kind of a teacher at heart, if you can't tell with all the stuff I do and trying to bring people into communities that I'm a part of. So I try to be kind to someone who has a legitimate and honest question. Plus, you know, aggregation is bullshit, and anyone who does it should be fired from whatever they're doing, and they should never make a cent off of it so they can all kiss my ass. That's my problem. I feel like they made money off of us. They absolutely made more money than you made on that podcast, probably. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No like, offense, it but, you know. Right. I know what my balance sheet looks like when I appear. So. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, close. I just, we, we, used to, we used to operate in what I called the circle of trust, where I thought everything that was said here 
was understood that it stayed here. We no, I'm going to have to get off this podcast and send Kevin an email apologizing <laughs> for your ass. <laughs> but then, you know, people just take it. They run with it, whatever. Oh, so sad for you. You have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> we have a popular podcast that people actually listen to and take quotes from. I don't do this podcast for them. I do it for you and me, Jeremy. Just- <laughs> Oh man! Well, let's close off here with a recommended match of the week. Uh, so last week for the excursion match, I recommended uh, Desperado versus Willie Mack from Ring of Honor. This was fine, but um, I'm starting to kind of see a trend here where, like, you know, matches that are happening in ROH are cool and they're good but they're not given like a lot of time and the crowds are kind of dead and it's sort of similar to like when a recommended match takes place in like impact you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like they're intriguing but it's not anything that's going to like that you need to go out of your way and catch um it was cool seeing desperado and willie mack and i thought the match was you know interesting um but you know a lot of athleticism Fast-paced, good chemistry. Um, some points it got a little clunky, but you know, uh, first time meeting, they might have another match that's better between them down the line, I suppose. Although Willie Mack doesn't seem to get the opportunities to work on the higher levels, which he should. He's fantastic. But uh, I mean, if if you just want to look for like a little hidden gem match, this one's pretty awesome. I'd probably go like three and a half, but it's not anything that you need to. It's going to like blow you away or anything like that. Gotcha. Then for the recommended match, he recommended uh, Shinjiro Otani versus Eddie Guerrero from uh, WCW uh, in the, the World Cup. And that was a, a really fun matchup. Uh, man, Otani, just the way he springboards his springboard drop kicks and his uh, springboard planchas are just so crisp, especially for you know, that, that time period, like late 90s. Um, but yeah, it was a you know solid matchup. Eddie was Bayface, Otani was of course the heel, um, coming from you know the evil Japan, and you know they're doing the big World Cup thing and fighting for brand supremacy. Um, commentary was hilarious with uh, Dusty, Shivani, and um, and uh, Brain. Um, they were, had some just funny back and forth stuff. But ultimately, this was like your very solid like wrestling match. Um, Great psychology, great holes, um, and, and Otani uh, ended up getting the win. Um, I'm probably like three and a half, three point seven five on it. Like it was a very good matchup. Just I think I would have wanted a little bit faster pace, uh, but overall, I mean, both guys are great wrestlers and had some good stuff, especially for that time period. Cool. Well, this week, um, I am going to be uh, doing the excursion match of the week, and I am recommending Yuji Nagata versus Yuma Aoagi for the All Japan Triple Crown Championship from uh, July 2nd. Nice. It's real good. Well, then, for the recommended match of the week, since last week you went uh, WCW, uh, this week I'm going MLW. Oh, God. We're going back to 2002. Satoshi Kojima against Jerry Lynn for the vacant MLW World Championship from MLW Reload. I've heard that the world of MLW never stops. It doesn't. Can you confirm? 
they they might want a lawsuit against WWE. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna have to like go to like IVF video and like? No, it's it's on. No, that's on YouTube. <laughs> it's on the right? MLW YouTube. Yeah, I'll yeah. Send, I'll send the link. Also good. Both of those matches you guys both recommended. I've seen them both. They're both very good. Nice. Nice. Well, Chris, thanks again for joining us for a, another G1 preview. Uh, I'm probably going to need to, you know, pull you in when I'm on my big lavish trip in uh, Europe in a couple Ooh. of weeks. <laughs> Ooh, I thought you might ask. We'll see. We'll uh, see. The last time we tried that. I'll figure out how to do it. Josh and I yeah. spent a long time. I, I mean, I know how to do it. I just can't do it for three hours. <laughs> That there's a it. there's a, a snip to take out of that for sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk. Well we'll, uh, we'll work out some deals. Yeah. So Chris, go ahead and uh tell our listeners where they can find you online, everything you got going on right now. God. Where do you find anyone online anymore? Twitter's dead. Uh no, I don't know. Um yeah, great question. I don't know where I'm gonna pop up throughout this tournament. Um I have I have some content that I'm sure I'll want some people to see. I'm working on uh, a little bit more of like a public-facing version of the document that I use to build previews. Um, so we're we're working on turning sportofprowrestling.com into like kind of a build-your-own preview thing, um, which could be neat if it pans out. So I don't know that that'll be up by the end of the G1, but ultimately, like you can find me on Twitter at the Chris Samsa, um, and my content will pop up you know, in various places that I've kind of built relationships with around the internet, depending on kind of timing and, and kind of, you know, the level of detail and, and who wants it. So I, I can't guarantee I'm going to have anything up at the new Japan site. Um, I would imagine at some point during the tournament, I'll drop something their way, but um, you might find me over at voices of wrestling or sport But the best place to keep up is, is Twitter at the Chris Samsa. Oh, what about the, the, the threads? I do have threads. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah. So you can catch me there too, but um, <laughs> I not a. Were... I you know we're gonna see which of these next generation social medias catches on before I really commit to anything. But I also don't think Twitter's actually gonna die. I think it's just gonna be a pain in the ass for the you know remainder of Elon Musk's existence. Yeah, I so. heard you were on. Um... Parlor and Truth Social as well. Why? Why you're? Tell, I'm gonna tell you when you're telling lies, <laughs> like CM Punk, <laughs> and it's a lot. Where's I have very few. I have very few social medias. The only reason I did the threads thing is because like it was a button on my Instagram. I was like, sure, and then I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> I guess I guess now I'm in. Like so, and like I've always used Instagram for like I don't know pictures of dogs you know like i don't use it for my wrestling life not that i necessarily segment my life off but like it's a little bit of an awkward combo now so we'll see we'll see what pans out i'm there if you want to find me hit me up i don't care i'll i'll hit you back it all it all ends in the same place as this little thing that lives in my pocket so who cares <laughs> on truth social we're at ki strong style no no, no 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 <laughs> you, you all are in florida so <laughs> nothing would surprise me oh man well, all right, that's going to wrap things up for us this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the first two nights of the G1 Climax 33. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, we are at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me 
at Jeremy L. Donovan on threads. We do have uh, Keeping a Strong Style at KI Strong Style. You follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on threads. Uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also, the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy, Dr. Keeping a Strong Style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AW Match Guy, hosted by Sir Sam. And The Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Kukler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. It's your bum. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.